stage more. Hang on to your seat, baby, cause this one's a screamer. Welcome to another episode of Vital Social Issues and Stuff with Chris and John Wayne. I, of course, am John Wayne. With me, as always, is Christopher Triana. Chris? Hey, Hey, that's me. That's you, bud. Yeah. How's it going, Bubba? Good. It's going good. It's going well. Um, Good. I, I was what? talking to you at the, at the top of the show. I, I just did. Uh, I know these are a couple of weeks like off from when you hear them, but I, I did just attend a uh, local convention in Houston, Texas. Shouts out, Dirty Third, Third Coast. Um, and it was, and and it's funny because now, like shortly, like two days after, everything has now been canceled. <laughs> like, yeah, there's no yeah. Indianapolis convention. There's no Chicago. Uh, you know, everything's done. But it was a one day pop up like six hour shot or seven hour the like deal and it was myself and death's head press and then uh madness heart press and we just uh like destroyed it all day it was awesome it felt good to be home it was like local boys do good or local peoples do good and uh even though we were all boys i guess but then it was fine it was a uh, it was a lot of fun good um, man good so that was a highlight uh now everything is crushingly canceled so we're back yeah to no, i know i feel i mean like this whole year for me, I had many book signings lined up and they all were canceled. Um, not because of COVID, but because they found out I was going to be there. Um, not so. because I'm dirty, <laughs> not because I'm clean, not because I kissed a girl behind a magazine. You kissed a girl behind a magazine? Mm hmm. I put um, it up like I was reading my poetry books and then I kissed her so no one saw it. Was she actually in the magazine? And that's her name was Christopher Tria. There's a time when I thought she was going to wake up, but she didn't. Well, um, now I'm just uh, that popped into my head for some reason. You know me, dude. Yeah, you love chicks with dicks. What (laughs) you said the girl you kissed was me. I was talking about kissing a girl behind a magazine, and you have to go get all dicky chicky on me. You said the girl was me. It's fine, that's fine if it's you. Well, I can't kiss you behind a magazine. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm just saying you like chicks with dicks, clearly, from your story. Do you story. identify as a chick? What's that? Do you identify as a chick? No, but you no, identify you're not a chick. as and a I'm chick. Just, just a dude with though, a dick yeah, behind okay, a magazine. Right. That's what I did. Let's just yeah, keep it. Yeah. Sh- wow, we have just, we're off to a great start on this one. Four well, minutes and 25 seconds in. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm a little stressed. A little stressed because, you know, my girlfriend keeps saying a small dick is nothing to worry about. But I still wish she hadn't gotten one. Okay, here we go. He's going into his material, folks. <laughs> it's my material. That's right. Uh, Rodney Dangerfield on your ass. <clears throat> yeah, but that was my weekend, and uh, it w- it was pretty good. Now it's uh, you know back to whatever square one. Figure it out. Yeah. And books. What have you? What have you been up to? Writing, writing, yeah. and writing, and writing. Yeah. Finished the rough draft of a new horror novel, and now I've started on. Uh, a crime novel, actually. Been in a crime kind of mood. In fact, I I, I'll, I was going to give you a little a little something here. 
um, because I've been in a crime mood, I was kind of watching just through just some random uh, crime films and stuff. And the other night I revisited, I, I think it was for the first time since I saw it when it came out in the theater, I revisited, oh, uh, I revisited Jackie Brown, the Quentin Tarantino film. Right. And actually, I, I enjoyed it. I, I did. I, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I, at the time when it came out, I didn't like it very much. And I think a lot of people didn't because it was not Pulp Fiction. You know, and that was the movie he'd made before it, you know, and that that movie was so fucking good. Uh, and I think everybody wanted that. But Jackie Brown mm -hmm. is it, it was very different from Pulp Fiction. Um, and it's also one of the few if maybe maybe even it's just the only uh, one that isn't based on a uh, a story that Tarantino wrote himself. It's and I don't mean he was ripping something off because he does that all the time. Uh, sure. But I, what I mean is that he actually adapted the story from an, a novel by Elmore Leonard, the mm. great crime and Western writer. Um, yeah. And I didn't remember that at all. But then when we were going into it and I saw I saw that in the opening credits, I was like, oh, shit, you know. And, you know, now that I'm older, I have a, a much bigger appreciation for uh, Pam Greer, too. I yeah, I was going to say Pam. Back then, but now Shouts I've, out I've, Pam Greer. Yeah, yeah. Back then, I, I wasn't familiar with her. You know, I was a teenager. But um, but now, like, I've seen, you know, Coffee and Foxy Brown and some of her great films. And uh, so I have a bigger appreciation for her. But anyway, it was it was good. I really enjoyed it. What did you think about at that part at the beginning where, like, um, Heather Graham just is like to Robert De Niro is like, you want to fuck? And they just like, that's fuck. uh that's Bridget Fonda, dude. What? That's Bridget Fonda. It's not at the beginning. Are you sure? Yeah, the the blonde girl. All right, yeah. whatever. That, that, that Whoever fucks. Out. It's yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's Bridget Fonda. Yeah. Okay. No, but yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. She she totally fucks him just randomly. It's just like right there. Yeah. On the like in the house, like in by the, the refrigerator. Kitchen. Which in is the kitchen. Yeah. 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 I always liked it in the kitchen. It's just I wanted to do that. I wanted to recreate that scene. Not with me, I hope. No, with Heather Graham. Maybe that's where I got that from. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. Is it time for me to tell another dick joke? Please. If you wouldn't mind. <laughs> My dick was once in the Guinness Book of oh, Records. Shit. Till I was kicked out of the library. <laughs> Boom. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> uh, we're done. We're done. It's all over, folks. It's all over. All right. Um, no, um, that's funny, man. That's that's funny. It's pretty funny. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um. So what's up? So what else is up? Uh, I, I think other than dick jokes, I think we yeah. have a very important announcement that people have been beating down our doors and beating yeah. off our doors, beating the hinges off of our doors. We talk about this a lot. We do. And and, you know, so far, first at first, it existed only in uh, our minds. It existed as an idea. Then it only it existed as like a, a quasi email. Now it exists in its true form as it is supposed to exist. Mm. A hotline. The Corey hotline is. Live. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, live. Whoa, whoa. Game right change. now. Game. Over, I think. Game changer <laughs> over. Game over. Game Life over changer. Over. Light my yeah. Now it's over. Goddamn right it is. <laughs> Has been for a long time. Well <laughs> what a time. Um but what here's a time. If you would like to call the Corey hotline, I hope you have a pen right now. 
well, it's, get it? What? Well, t- let's tell them what the Corey hotline is going to be for. Okay, you tell them. We don't actually have Corey um, answering the phone yet. It's a, you know, it's a, it's on our dream board. It is, it is. We're working on getting Corey Feldman to answer all calls. Uh, <laughs> probably not going to happen soon. Uh, he's still on that boat. <laughs> <laughs> Captain at until he changes that picture. I'm assuming he's on that boat. <laughs> he's, I mean, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm sorry. He's I a know. captain. I mean, you know, he's got a job to do. Uh, so uh, let's see. So yeah, like we we created this hotline because we always talk about the hotline. Um, and basically, you can actually call us and leave us a message, uh, and. You know, tell us what you think of the show, whatever. Uh, tell us how much we suck or that you love us or that you want to suck us. Uh, just let us know whatever, you know. Uh, but what we really would like is we we want uh, we want people to call in uh, and ask us anything. Uh, not This won't be on maybe the next episode you hear, but we want to, you know, accumulate some good questions. Uh, so mm-hmm. you call, leave us a message, and we're going to do a show in the future, hopefully sometime in uh, November, and we're going to uh, answer all of your questions. These, these could be about the show. This could be about writing. It could be life advice. It could be helping out with your math homework, whatever you want. Uh, just don't expect us to be any good at your <laughs> math homework. <laughs> and, and we don't want any, no heavy breathing or anything like that, please. Well, uh, not West, if you're a guy. Southern, I'm looking in your direction. I, I, right. We don't need that, okay? But if, you're, but if you're a chick, you can do it. Just no guys. You can do it, but we don't need any guys heavy breathing into our voicemail. <laughs> but seriously, ask us, ask us anything. Call us out. Whatever. This is the Corey hotline. This is like all. This is where HR starts and begins with the whole uh, you know pyramid scheme that we've uh, organized here. So, yeah, it's, I it's mean, the beginning, the beginning of the end. And and if we, you know, and we will play some of these, right? We're going to. No, we know, will. We will. As, absolutely. You know, will. No, we're going to actually you'll hear your voice on the show. Now, here's another thing I'm going to ask. What is don't, don't leave us 18 messages. We yeah. appreciate you being a fan a lot, but leave us one message, one or two questions on the message. Uh, we, we don't want to be going through, you know, uh, uh, several messages from the, the same person trying to get everyone answered. That's right. So. Brad Tierney, I'm looking at you. Love <laughs> you, buddy. One message is all we need. And we'll yeah. be gold. West Southern as well. Please out. keep it to one message. I wasn't calling anyone out. I was just saying. Um, I was giving shouts done. out. Shouts out to Brad. All right. Let's just sometimes I've done Q&A and that's that's happened. And it's like, OK, give everyone a chance to talk. No, absolutely. I know. You're right. You're absolutely right. I'm course, just, you know, Chris, I bounce, God damn it. I just bounced it off with a funny, like, you know, thing. So people can swallow the pill like a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. Okay, I'm like the sugar. I'm like the spoonful of sugar, baby. Mm. You know, should we give out this number now or what do you think? Oh, yeah. That Any would... other stipulations we want to add to this? Uh, no, 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 no. It is. It is five dollars for the first minute. $17 for each additional minute. So if you want to, uh, <laughs> it's not though. It's free. It, it, it's not. It's, it's, I don't even know if it's free. It's a phone call. So, uh, here's the phone. Here's the number 832 930 
832-930-1347. That number again is 832-930-1347. Call the Corey hotline. Leave us a message. Ask us anything. I await. Mm-hmm. We, we await your call. Um, now, this is not to be confused with 555-SHOE or 555-PIMPH or 555-RIGNEY. Nobody knows more about Rigney than Dr. Dr. Rigney. Rigney. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Uh, Only our Married with Children hardcore fans will get that joke. If you don't get that joke, you need to go back and watch every episode of Married with Children until you get the reference. Hey, you know what? We should do a Married with Children episode, don't you think? Like at some point? Yeah. Like our favorites and like you know yeah we should do that you know like maybe, a month like actually a month long like something we could do four episodes on uh, there we could i don't know if that if everyone would want to listen to that i think maybe one one show one show i think would be good hey man we'll send it straight to faustino dude and he will and he'll, eat it up dude he'll eat it up and you know what maybe on that show we could get him to do a cameo you know because he and i go way back i did hear that and i yeah. don't know i mean we'll see We'll see, folks. We'll see. Cameo, girl. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so maybe one episode, not like a whole. I was gonna. I was thinking. I was thinking maybe we could dedicate a quarter to, to like the fourth quarter of the year to married with children. But okay, one episode instead is fine. <laughs> a quarter of a year. We definitely could. We absolutely could do. Definitely we could. could. But like, we would. We probably lose a thousand followers uh, if we went on and on about one thing that long. I think we were pushing it doing a whole month of halloween but i think we we at least tried to mix it up mixed it up a little you know i enjoyed our our, our halloween uh, i enjoyed it too i mixed it up we talked about different things i enjoyed it too motherfucker but you know like i don't know why you you call me motherfucker i would have i would enjoy doing a whole month of married with children but i want to think about what other what our people want to hear and you can tell us that when you call the very hotline and what they (laughs) Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No. Pimp, pimp At 832-930-1347. Tell us what you'd like us to talk about instead of Married with Children for an entire quarter. Yeah. Tell us what you want to hear. But I do know what people want to hear. Do they want us to bring on like a, a, a third host that's like a seven-year-old child that, like with a stupid name? like pup? Yes. It has me or some shit like that. Here, here's, Are we here's already five. in the seventh season of? <laughs> yeah, no, it's like they have to have a number. Like, like here's five. You know, like three uh, J on family on Family Matters or seven on Married with Children. I can't believe that his name is three J. J. I swear to God, it's not even a Fox. The Fox shows I could understand seven, <laughs> like whatever. But this is an NBC TGIF primetime show and his name is 3j what is he a robot from the future no that that was just like no that was just like 90s hip-hop type of like thing i guess was what they were going for because he's like a he's like a street kid no really like he's like maybe eight years old but he like talks all gangsta and everything it's it's really bad um and yeah it's only in like the last two seasons uh i have told you that three J. it kind of like it angers me as much as it makes me like wish i had some thing or someone i could call three J. so i'm like torn between those two worlds right now yeah yeah you gotta you gotta like 
join the big brother program and just like tell the kid his name is 3J. And he's like, no, my name's Ryan. Shut up, 3J. Don't give me no sass back or we're not going to Chuck E. Cheese. And we never will go to Chuck E. Cheese again. Because all <laughs> the Chuck E. Cheeses have been. Are they all gone? Down. They've been, uh, you know, eradicated. Really? No, I'm, not, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just well, making. I mean, it could be. I mean, Toys R Us is fucking gone. You know. I know. I know. And we are living day to day. I'm just making the approximated guess that everything will be in flames by the time you listen to this episode. And you can call ah. the hotline. Well, it will if it's, if you're burning alive or not. <laughs> you know what? You're you're right to think everything will be in flames by the time this airs because the presidential election will be over by the time this airs. Uh, it's exactly at, at the time of us recording it. It's exactly one week away. So civil war, uh, by the time you hear this, is inevitable. What about the emails? That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. They, I'll tell you one thing. They convinced me I am not voting for Hunter Biden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? We do not. Well, they're, 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 they're constantly, the right is constantly attacking Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son. They're constantly attacking him. It's just that. funny. It's like they, they, they like they like they find the one member of the family that might have some, you know, bad activity, suspicious activity, and they attack them. And it's just like that has nothing to do with anything. Hunter Biden's not running for president. You know, it really doesn't. Especially now, like I think in modern times, even more, it has less effect because everybody's fucking right. off. Honestly, there's no fucking. Right. Well, everybody's fucking some, but somebody's doing something stupid. And Hunter, Godspeed, Godspeed dude. As long as you're not. No, no. you're getting high and fucking up. I don't care. I don't think he's raping and pillaging. I mean, I don't know the guy. I can't vouch for him, but uh, I don't think he's pillaging. I don't. Do people even pillage anymore? Well, uh, you know, if you listen listen to the, uh, you know, the root of the word, which is pillage, uh, you know that it it actually refers to pillows. Uh, and it's like about sleeping and resting. So people do plage and rest uh, at some points uh, after they have a baguette. Be sure to pick up Bastien on TV in French if when you're in Paris this summer as it burns with everything else. You know, John Wayne, my dick is yes. like a pickle. <laughs> my dick's like a pickle. It's bumpy, it has a sour taste, and my niece always takes it out of her burger. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing about this is that I can really I have a very clear picture in my mind mm. of you with a single candle lit hung, like hunched over a desk mm-hmm. giggling to yourself writing these day my day <laughs> like and once you get like every fourth or fifth one is like a gold and you're just so tickled with yourself oh yeah that's, I reward that's the myself. way I'm picture am I right is it about no, that's like exactly that? right. Every time I get one that makes me laugh, I re- reward myself with some Skittles. What what kind of Skittles? Oh, only the green ones. Just gr- like, are we talking like regular? Regular Skittles, only regular the green. Skittles in I the throw, red bag. I, the rest of them, I throw them the fuck away. You, you really? You know, I think they all probably no. taste like the same. I think they're all the same flavor, actually. Yeah. I really do. I, People I, try I, to tell you otherwise, but I'm like, I think they're all the same flavor. Yeah. It's all in the mind. It's kind of like the M and M's, you know. It's like it's all in your your head. Like they they're all the same. You know? What's do people think M and M's taste different? I I don't know. But, but what like, color they are? But some no, some people heard of that. But it wouldn't surprise hey, me. Hey, I guess. David Lee Roth, dude, he was like, no fucking brown M and M's in my bowl. I know it was part of the writer. I'm joking. Okay, but you know why <laughs> they did that? Yes. Yeah, so they made sure that the people who booked them read the writer. 
yeah, because they had to hook up Eddie's fucking electronics correctly, and if because right. it got all fucked up, so when like if they came in and the the M and M's weren't right, they know that they didn't bother. That they didn't read the right. Yeah, no, right. So, I, know. I know, I know. I'm just saying it, it had I, to do with his gear as well as the writer. No, I know some people don't realize that, and they think like, oh god, you know, like he was just a pretentious asshole. But no, he what he wasn't doing that because he was insane. He, they had a very good reason to do that. And that was David Lee Roth's idea, and David mm-hmm. Lee Roth is the Usually best right. kind of pretentious asshole that you could be. Um, I wish he were my father and uncle. Did I already? We might have talked about this. We and did. We talked about the death of Eddie Van Halen, and we we went at length about him and uh, and David. So we can skip all of that. I mean, I still I still stand stand I stand with David. Stand with Roth. Feel the Roth. <laughs> Did you write that with your dick jokes? <laughs> no, but I wrote it on my dick as a reminder. <laughs> good. Very good. <laughs> you love my dick I... jokes. Jokes, yeah. <laughs> Boom! Okay. Boom! Now who's going blue? <laughs> balls, my friend. <laughs> balls. Balls. Right. Balls. Get these balls. <laughs> Speaking of balls, maybe, <laughs> I don't know, maybe we should. Maybe we go... should get this show on the road. Maybe we should get to our first segment. I don't know, unless you have any ball-related incidents that you want to bring up. Uh, no, I think I'm good. All right. Good for now. Don't uh, say I didn't balls. ask. With the ball. Yeah, should we move it on? I think so. All right, folks, that brings us to our first segment, which is Book of the Week. <laughs> Book of the week, people. Book of the week. So this week, book of the week is one of my choices. And this is by someone who I think is very awesome, who's inspired me to be a writer and who is one of the first people that I was like, oh, shit, this guy kind of I now I know what to do with my writing. And so the book of the week is The Loop by Jeremy Robert Johnson, none other than uh, broken free from Bizarro into the mainstream uh, where he belongs. And uh, he is one of my favorite uh, the people who write words on the paper. And so his new book has just recently come out. Uh, it's hardcover, paperback and all that stuff in Kindle. And uh, just to give you uh, let me read the, the, the synops, if you will, the synops. A small town nestled in the hills of central Oregon becomes the epicenter of an epidemic of violence when the teenage children of several executives from the local biotech firm become ill and aggressively murderous. Suddenly, the town is on edge, and everyone must do everything it takes to survive. And then ellipsis. So you know that something comes after that. Oh, yeah. When you get the ellipsis, you know something, something good's coming. Um, so this also has a billion blurbs, by the way, um, by people, you know, David yeah. Faustino, David Faustino has blurbed this <laughs> send me $50 and I'll talk about your book, David Faustino, um, at the very top, a dazzling writer, Chuck Palahniuk, um, you know, and I mean, the publishers weekly, Stephen Graham Jones, uh, book list. He's got a lot, you know, he, and he's like, uh, from Angel Dust Apocalypse, when I the first thing I read by him, uh, now like through you know all the way to Skullcrack City, and now to this, I I am very excited for uh, his success and this release. So 
check out Jeremy Robert Johnson's The Loop. If you haven't heard of him, you know, grab it or you he's got a great catalog to go back in and check out. So uh, very nice. The Loop. Very nice. Yes. Very exciting. Very exciting. That's great, man. That sounds good. Hell yeah. So um, also, you can call the Corey hotline and <laughs> and ask about my dick. All right, I'll stop with the dick Jesus. today. Today, nope. I'm not saying I'll stop. You know, next time. Okay, I was going to say because I know you have a notebook full. Oh already. my god, it's like a... it's ever growing, like <laughs> my dick. <laughs> I got him on that one. Well, I walked into that one, like your dick. All right, let's just move on. <laughs> I appreciate oh. no, I appreciate the uh, beating of a dead horse. That's uh, I think that's my family crest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's actually an image of like a guy literally beating a dead horse with a piece of bamboo. Yeah, and a pipe, and a pipe in his mouth because you guys all smoke the weed. Smoking weed. Yeah. I forgot to say earlier before we move on, like the Corey hotline, the shirt that I I, I showed of the of Watchers, it's got Corey on it. Um, this is from uh, Joe Garcia, T-shirt Joe, our good buddy. Shouts T-shirt out Joe. to T-shirt Joe. T-shirt Joe murdered it at that show. Just right. murdered it. People like couldn't get enough. He had a line constantly at his fucking booth. Good. And good. It was awesome to see. So uh, I, of course, picked up some new shirts from him. Uh, I got I bought Nick P one a present. So oh. I'm gonna give it to him. Uh, if you want his voodoo password, go and give me a DM. And uh, well, I saw the shirt that you got for him. It's it's great. It's pink and it says "Sexy Grandma." No, that's for that's for that's something for something else. Uh, that's not the one. No, I. Uh, oh right, that's for that thing. Anyway, so uh, it was good to see Joe and T-shirt Joe was awesome. Uh, no, I love that guy. He was like, I drank all of my beers, and he just you know, of course, came in the clutch with his. He had a cooler full. Yeah. like Calvary came in mm-hmm. and just brought me beers like crazy. And uh, I love that guy. No, Joe's good people. And he makes great shirts. I've got a couple of his shirts myself. Um, I've got one he did, uh, Creature from the Black Saloon, with mm-hmm. uh, Creature wearing all cowboy gear. I wear that fucker all the time. I love that shirt. Yeah, and uh, like actually, like I, did, I didn't know he was going to be there. I didn't have people who were going to be there, but I wore my uh, Lost Boys Twilight shirt. That I, I got from is one of my favorite shirts, right. which got the Twilight uh, font and the Lost Boys. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and it was funny because he didn't have those anymore. So I was uh-huh. like, too bad, everybody. But go get your shit over there. Also, mm-hmm. very cool. The Lost Boys is showing at a, a, a venue tomorrow night in my hometown, unless it's probably been canceled. But I was going to go if not. Uh, that's nothing. Anyway, well, you know, there's there's also an event going on in my hometown where the Lost Boys is being shown in my living room. Oh, shit. And, really? and no one's invited. <laughs> it's that exclusive? <laughs> it's that exclusive. Only I'm invited. I'm VIP. Lucy. Well, trying... no, wait, wait. No, you know, Bear, Bear has a ticket as well. But, yeah, but you're making her work as the bouncer, too. No, no, no. She's she's VIP. I'm the bouncer. Like She yeah. doesn't have to do anything. She hits the whole couch, and she gets to watch the show. She gets her snackies. All is good. I I love it. Um, Joe Garcia is Fast Custom Shirts. That yeah. is his website. That is his name, and his shirts like the he gets mashup horror shirts. He does all kinds of shit. He's got a, a huge fucking selection. FastCustomShirts.com. I just want to give Joe a shout out because he is a very good dude, and uh, 
he took care of me and I want to take care of him. So check mm. out that. Check out Mr. That Joe. sounds really romantic. Well, it was. No, it wasn't. Well, I like romance. I know you hate romance. You hate kissing. Yeah, we definitely like, kiss on the lips. Ugh. 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 Ugh I kissing girls. Gross. <laughs> Uh, okay. All right. So does that does this? Uh, shall we move on to our second and most hilarious segment? I think we should. Just I think we should check out Jeremy Robert Johnson. Even if you don't check out the new one, check out his work. Yep, and, and check that. out Jeremiah Johnson. That's a very interesting story. And they check out Jeremiah called, was a bullfrog. Well, they also called uh, Jeremiah Johnson liver eating Johnson. And you like revenge stories. You should check it out because that's a that's a true story. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. I mean, I, uh, you know, a uh, bunch of people uh, murdered his woman uh, out in the Old West. And he uh, he went out and got crazy revenge. Liver eating Johnson. That gives you an idea. They made a movie out of it called Jeremiah like Johnson. Uh, he did. <laughs> he, liked, he liked delivering onions. Um they made a movie out of it called Jeremiah Johnson with Robert Redford, and it's good. But they they kind of uh, softened the whole liver eating part and the whole oh, uh, the whole can- like, cannibalism thing. Yeah, they took away like how brutal he truly was. Um, so anyway, um, I'll check it out though. How? But that's an old it has to be an old ass movie if Redford was in it. Like no, it's an old movie. But uh, I I would I would recommend you just you know hop on wikipedia or something and just read about jeremiah johnson like that, that's a crazy revenge story like the guy was like a killing machine um and just like butchered all these motherfuckers all, like on his own like real life one-man army and so he was you would say like a machine like a like a truck like a truck baby like a, a truck. Fucking truck like a truck. yeah but no, he like went ape shit on these guys like you know this is before machine guns and everything you know this is in uh you know the wild west and uh he was a bad motherfucker. Shut your mouth. But so, I'm talking about this guy. This guy that you know. <laughs> Jeremiah Johnson. <laughs> talking about Jeremiah Johnson. Yeah. All right, so folks, that brings us to our next segment, uh, which is ridiculous reads. <laughs> Ridiculous, ridiculous rain. It's ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Oh, how ridiculous! Uh, uh, my so my pop screen has come off. I'm fixing it. But while I do that, what what do you have? You're in charge of the ridiculous read today. And are you are you surprising me with something? Or uh... I am. I'm I'm surprising you. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting one um because i haven't uh read much of this yet uh but i thought you know i kind of did this i kind of picked it spontaneously um so i'm going to go with it let me just pull it up here now this is a book by randall boyle uh and uh there's a blurb on here even it says a splendid new horror writer um, four stars, a fascinating, quite gruesome novel that builds characterization and suspense as it speeds toward an exciting conclusion. So, you know, th- this sounds like it could be cool, um, but it probably isn't because this is a little book called Shaka! Uh, 
God damn it! I should have known. Like you that known. you're wearing a t-shirt. I am. I'm. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll. I'll show that off too. Shocker. Very nice. Yeah, I'm wearing my Shocker t-shirt. Um, and this is the novel Shocker, and I chose this, uh, because today, uh, while I mean today, as we're recording, not when this uh this airs, but uh, it's October twenty seventh, which is the thirty first. Uh, anniversary of the release of the movie Shocker. That's cool. Pretty cool, huh? What I did there, pretty cool. You really uh, tied it all together, man. But you know what? You know what kind of, is kind of sad is, um, you know, I, I I got this. I was excited to get this novelization, and I got it. But today, I'm like looking through it to do the ridiculous reads, and look what happened here. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. The cover came off that. Those old books. It does, I, and those I old put books. Yeah. Tape on mine, like to to fix them. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna have to do. But yeah, I cracked open the book to you know read through it a little bit, and the cover just popped right off. Uh, so I'm gonna have to repair that. But that's okay. It's worth it to bring you guys the story of Shocker. Uh, so a quick uh, a quick rundown of what this is. Uh, Shocker was a 1989 horror film by horror maestro Wes Craven. Uh, the creator of Nightmare on Elm Street and The Hills Have Eyes, for those of you who don't know. He also did Scream, so maybe you younger kids know Scream. Um, so anyway, Shocker was Craven's attempt to do yet another franchise. I mean, he had huge success with Freddy Krueger. Uh, even people who don't like horror know who Freddy Krueger is. Uh, so he was trying to create that again with a little character hilariously called Horace Pinker, which has got to be the worst name for a villain ever in the history of horror cinema so uh, this wait so this guy was supposed to be like his next freddy krueger yes yeah yeah he was, trying, really? he was trying to yeah, no, absolutely he was trying to you know create another franchise character okay i guess i see the similarities like kind of now that you say that interesting yeah, he, was, I he was trying to create another um you know franchise out of it uh now when this movie came out i was 12 um and like this movie was like a huge deal. I was so like anticipating it uh, because, you know, I was new to uh, like horror and I was new to heavy metal. Uh, and this movie kind of joined the two together. This is like the first movie where the entire soundtrack was heavy metal music and it was all like these different bands and it was made just for that movie. Now, uh, in 1986, there's a, a movie called Trick or Treat, which I which I absolutely love. Uh, mm -hmm. And that movie had all heavy metal music, too. It was all done by a band called Fastway, and they did the soundtrack. It's a great fucking soundtrack. Great movie about 80s metal. Uh, but Shocker was a little different because all the, the like they had a huge amount of bands that contributed new music to this soundtrack. Fastway was the only band on the Trick or Treat soundtrack. On this, they had uh, they, they had Alice Cooper. They had Megadeth. They had... Uh, uh, de demonic. No, I'm sorry. Um, dangerous toys. I want to say demonic toys. But demonic that's, toys. That's the full movement. I almost said that, but no, dangerous toys. They had a lot of uh, bonfire, a lot of bands on here, uh, and they also had a very special band called the Dudes of Wrath, which was a super group that was put together just to do songs on this album. Desmond Child, the great songwriter, uh, put them together, uh, and it was uh, him with uh, Paul Stanley of Kiss, a couple of the guys from Depth Leopard um uh tommy lee on drums so it was like this 80s metal dream team 
uh, and they did the theme what song. What is it called? Chuck. Uncle Charles? What is it? <laughs> the Dudes of Wrath. Dudes of Wrath. Wow, yeah. this should have been called Uncle Charles. Yeah, it's a pretty lame band. Are the songs lame. good? I have to say, I don't know. No, no, they're awesome. Well, they only did they only did the, the, the theme song and then a uh, a reprise at the end. You know, Shaka, Shaka. Yeah, okay, yeah they did them? the opening theme. That's them, yeah. Uh, so it's a super group uh, that did it. Uh, but yeah, this has Alice Cooper and Megadeth. It has a lot of people on it. Um, and we're doing super group in... In quotes right now. No, I'm joking. Yeah. Just joking. Um, but yeah, the soundtrack also has Iggy Pop. It has a lot of people. Um, and so like this was a huge deal for me uh, as a 12-year-old uh, headbanger who was really getting into horror and, and all of that. Uh, and the movie is not great. It's not one of Wes Craven's best. Uh, a lot of people don't like it. It gets dumped on a lot. But I have a special place in my heart for it because of like the age I was like, I, I really loved it when I was young uh, mm -hmm. as that nostalgia factor and everything. Well, it's a touchstone also. Kind it, of is, it is. It is like, I have, um, I have this like comic book that I did when I was 12, you know, I would like, you know, write the stories and draw it. And it was called psycho kid. And it was basically like a 12 year old who was just like shocker. You know, it was, psycho dad. Yeah, it was it's called psycho kid. And like he traveled, using electricity just like horace pinker does in shocker into people's um, minds and shit do you want to get did you give a synopsis of what this was or? i'll do it right now okay mass murderer horace pinker was on the loose and no one in maryville ohio slept soundly they locked their windows they bolted their doors they prayed for their lives then on october 2nd at 6 45 a.m horace pinker was put to death in the electric chair now he's really mad. Wes Craven's Shocker, the electrifying motion picture from Wes Craven, creator of A Nightmare on Elm Street. Now a terrifying novel by Randall Boyle, who, and I'm going to read from it right now. Now in this scene, uh, it's uh, when Horace is about to go to the electric chair. So I'm going to read uh, from this. I'm going to kind of jump in the middle here. Uh, Jonathan is the young man who caught Horace Pinker. Uh, Pinker killed his girlfriend, Allison, uh, mm -hmm. and uh, Jonathan's dad's a cop, but Jonathan did a better job of catching Horace Pinker than his old man did, because Jonathan's kind of connected to Horace Pinker through his dreams, which is a little mm -hmm. too much like Freddy Krueger, and I think that hurt the movie. Uh, but anyway, I, I, that's what I was saying before we started recording like that. I could say that was that what I was saying? It's similar. I don't know that way that like he is able to jump through dreams and electricity. Uh, it, it's well, there, it is very but I guess he was but trying the to dream. The dream part is 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 very Freddy. But yeah. him him jumping through electricity after dying in the electric chair that's that's kind of a, a uh, separate from Freddy. That's a kind of an original concept. Yeah, I should have uh, cut the dreams out. Just yeah, they should have. I wish the yeah, I wish they had done that too. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to read this scene mm -hmm. uh, that uh, that that's of a horse pinker being killed in the electric chair, and Jonathan is there as a witness. Okay. In the viewing chamber itself were a dozen straight-backed wooden chairs that looked as if they had been there for 50 years. Already, most of the witnesses were sitting in them, reporters and the select few who got a chance to watch a man fry. They all looked somehow eager yet strained, as if hesitant to gawk at a man going up in smoke, but wanting, needing to witness it. Jonathan and Don took chairs near the front. Jonathan wondered briefly if he would have the displeasure of smelling Pinker as he baked in his 2,000-volt private oven. He hoped not. Pinker smelled bad enough as it was. 
Jonathan turned nervously to Don. Where is he? Don gave him a grim smile. Choking on his last meal, I hope. He glanced at his watch. They should be going for him right now. Jonathan nodded. The man was an animal, one that was about to be very dead at last. He was quite sure of that. But he was wrong. And here's where the ellipsis comes in, so we know something, something oh, good. Shit. Fuck yeah. <sighs> he was wrong, and so was the priest, who assumed that in all humans there is a bit of decency, and that a man on death row can have his soul easily saved by the act of remorse and repentance. Mm. Yeah. This was the reason that he gave last rites to the doomed prisoners here. Prisoners who at the last moment often begged God to forgive them, for they knew not what they did. Horace Pinker, on the other hand, knew quite well what he did. The good father, Michael Venati by name, approached his cell on death row with a Bible in one hand and a string of rosary beads in the other. If the truth be known, he rather enjoyed execution day, for no man is more prone to, con to conversion than a man about to meet his maker. It beat hounding the winos who staggered into the church and asked for a buck for a bottle of Ripple. <laughs> <laughs> because the man, the man least prone to, to conversion is a man who is well into his cups and not particularly able to care about anything. Guess that's true. Mm -hmm. So on this afternoon, 15 minutes before Pinker was to die, Father Venati strode purposefully, purposefully to Horace Pinker's cell, fully expecting to wreak a miracle. And if you could keep making noise like that while I'm reading, I'd appreciate it because you're really good at that. So, um... Okay, I just put my microphone on mute after that, but now, fuck you. <laughs> oh, yeah, give me another shaft. <laughs> see? See, I stopped with the dick jokes, but you, yeah, your, now keep, you're actually sucking a dick. Yeah, Keep reading. All right. Coming, my son, he spoke aloud to the bars. It's time to, he sucked in a breath, hard enough to cool off his front teeth. That's some good writing right there. Uh, Pinker was already busy with a conversion of his own. He sat cross-legged behind a circle of burning black candles he had somehow smuggled in, wearing the standard death row clothing, day-glow orange overalls with a black and white checkered band running horizontally around his chest and back. In the center of the circle of candles was an upside-down cross, propped on its head. In the eerie darkness behind the bars, Pinker was <clears throat> visible as a black shadow, shrouded in flickering candlelight, his face glowing in shades of orange and yellow. On the wall beside him, bolted to the cinder block, was a standard prison television. Its casing had been torn apart to expose the tangle of its innards. Its face showed nothing but a hash of electronic snow. Father Venati stumbled backwards, his eyes wide with surprise. He noticed with horror that Pinker was jerking and pulsating, and that a set of automobile jumper cables led from the TV to his hands. Sparks popped where the clamps were anchored, bouncing to the floor and sizzling there. Pinker was grinning as he did a sit-down version of the Boogie Woogie. <laughs> this writing is something else. <clears throat> something black belched out of the TV, something thick as smoke. It swirled around Pinker's head, a noxious steam that the father thought could only come from the bowels of hell itself. Again, this is some awesome writing. Its smell, its smell was a combination of burnt electrical wiring and burning hair. He fell back with a cry. The candles all blew out. 
He managed to motion to a guard, then averted his eyes from this scene of utter blasphemy. His Bible suddenly felt hot in his hand, the rosary beads, tiny burning coals. He threw them down the corridor and wiped his hands on his frock, his face drawn up with disgust. They felt greasy and somehow numb. The Bible skittered on the cement and impacted against the wall. It burst into flames. The rosary beads popped like small firecrackers. Firecrackers. A guard rushed over while Father Venati crossed himself over and over. The guard jammed a large key into the cell's lock, trying furiously to turn it. Pinker leaned over and grabbed the bars with both hands. The guard, working the key, let out a shriek and dropped to the floor while the bars spat sparks in a shower. The guard's hands were blistered and smoking. He began to scream. Venati opened his eyes. Pinker had resumed his lotus position, his face peaceful, almost sleepy. Foamy saliva dribbled down his chin and spattered on his absurd orange overalls. As Father Venati looked on with renewed terror, blue sparks buzzed and swirled around Pinker's drool. Then his lips drew up in a hideous grin. Yes, he whispered, sounding to the father the way the snake in Eden must have sounded as he talked Eve into serving an apple for lunch. <laughs> Fuck yeah, do you know? That was like a drop the mic day. When he wrote that, he was like, oh, yeah. it was 10 a.m. He was like, yep. Well, yeah, that's it. I'm done. He, on this he read that. He read that to his wife and just dropped his pants for the blowjob right then and there, dude. I'm I telling you, him a little too much credit. I think he just took the day off. <laughs> he went and bought a couple of King Cobras and fucking said, good deal. <laughs> All right. So but that is a panty drop in line. I it is. It's a good one. So anyway, Horace Pinker says, let me have it. He hissed, then loudened his voice to a shout. Let me have it. He got it. The dark cloud that boiled around his head changed shape, uh, changing into a huge and barely visible face. Venati saw glowing red eyes the size of a football swarming in the mist, the twisted suggestion of a mouth, perhaps horns, perhaps not. He could not, <clears throat> he could no longer trust his own eyes as he stared, speechless with wonder, at the creature that surrounded Pinker. The mouth shape drew up a leering smile, much as Pinker had so often smiled. Then the ghastly red lips opened. You got it, baby, it said in a voice that made the father nearly swoon, a voice that had to be from the hottest and darkest reaches of hell, the twisted, booming voice of Satan himself. And I'm going to stop there. Thank God. Because I was getting scared. <laughs> this is blasphemy. And we're going to stop there. And let's all join hands in prayer tonight <laughs> before, we, before we leave. And now we come to our next segment, with is, which is scripture. <laughs> scripture. <laughs> you know, okay, so I we talked to like I just watched this movie recently. Uh, coincidentally, it wasn't planned. I I just like watched it, and uh, you know, I I love Satan. So did I miss something when I watched the movie? Like this guy is brutal. Like this killer, he he does a very good job at the front yeah. of the, at the top of the movie, especially of portraying how absolutely heartlessly brutal he is. And he's scary. He's legitimately scary as a normal man, like as a normal killer. You know, he's a scary dude and he does a good job of that. And then when he's on death row, I I mean, he all of a sudden is like doing a a, a satanic seance where he's hooked up the VC. to his head it kind of came out and did it come out of nowhere? Did it get chopped out of the, the, the script somewhere? Like, no, it kind of it's kind of like comes out of nowhere. They they don't mention the fact that he's like a a satanist or anything or 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 a 
or anything like that, I guess, when it starts off. But he's just like one of these night slashers, you know, like, you know, breaks into people's homes and kills them. Um, you know, typical like serial killer stuff, home invader stuff. Um, and yeah, it's really brutal and, and it's scary. Uh, but I think it's worth mentioning that he's a TV repairman. Um, that's his job. And so he like mm. actually goes to people's houses to repair their TV. And that's how he gets into their houses and kills yeah. them. Uh, and so that kind of ties into the whole thing where like when he's like worshiping Satan, he uses like electronics uh, and it's goofy, I mean, but, you know, it's what it is. I mean, I, I mean, I'm into it, but I'm like, I want I want like a little bit of a foreshadow, like maybe like he showed, like he looks at his hand and he's got a fucking pentagram, something a little bit at the beginning. Well, that's a little cliche. Expect. I don't know, something to expect, like what was hap- what was going to come, because I thought maybe he just got electrocuted and like you know shit went wrong and he came back like but he well, was you probably didn't watch well you said you tried to watch it so you probably didn't watch I watched the it movie. i watched most of the movie yeah okay yeah. well i mean there's that scene very early on like in the that i just read where right. the devil right. comes out of the tv yeah yeah the seance you know well i yeah, think and, that's and the, the i think that's comes the in and, and all that shit but i think that's the pentagram in the palm right there you know like but it's during that i want i wanted at the beginning of the movie well, why don't Princess. you write that into your movie? I will. Okay, then. I, I'm not trying. I'm not a movie critic. I'm just. I was just saying, like the Satan stuff it came out of nowhere for me, which I like. I just didn't know he was like all of a sudden a hardcore Satan worshiper to where he drew he, he drew sigils and he like had like the the VCR and the TV were all hooked up, all crazy and shit. Right. It was pretty cool. I'll suspend but, my disbelief. But he was he was you know brutally murdering people. He was, um, awful. you know, and so like th- this was the reveal of like what he was all about, you know. Um, but yeah, then I, he starts. Then he starts. Like uh, he becomes a little less scary too because he starts cracking jokes and stuff. Uh, yeah. And that's where he turns into a sofa. God damn, that's so funny. Yeah, but you know what? I I thought like when speaking of him being scary, when they did pull him out of that out of his cell, his death row cell, and it was like two cops like that were gonna pull him out and he woke up or whatever and started just like with Fighting ease yeah. with fucking ease like beating their asses and shit i was like god damn it dude that well, he, like, he bites that guy's fucking finger off yeah. and he goes finger licking good <laughs> oh which of course when they wrote that when john carpenter wrote that no he didn't Wes no, craven did Wes craven but was man you really Wes don't carpenter. know what the hell you're talking about i don't know what we're talking about right now Wes craven wrote that he dropped the mic and the pen and he called John Carpenter and they smoked a dube together because mm-hmm. that's what he does now. And they wrote a song. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. So <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, this week's Ridiculous Reads, folks. I hope you liked it. Uh, I hope that if you haven't seen Shocker, you'll go check it out. It's kind of one of those turn your brain off. Uh, just just enjoy it for what it is. Uh, horror movies. It's not, uh, you know, it, it didn't become a uh, franchise for a reason. It's not great, but I love it. Uh, I have not one but two Shocker shirts. Mm. Uh, I've been listening to the soundtrack for 31 years. I love it. Uh, and now I own the book uh, with the cover torn off because I dared to open the fucking thing. And it's 30 years old. <laughs> I uh, I do also say I, as I recommend it as a watch also. Mm-hmm. Another thing I wanted to bring up, I remember this, the trailer for this movie wouldn't. In when I was like at my local Lowe's theater in spring where I grew up, 
And I remember seeing the trailer for this and seeing the big standee in of him, like on the, the like just like on your shirt, yeah, and it's like, on the chair. It's it's like life size, huge, and it says shocker. Uh, I remember when that came out, and even the trailer looked kind of scary to me. But I was a giant pussy, and it was super metal. Um, it was actually the the subtitled shocker is shocker. No more, Mister Nice Guy, which of course is the famous Alice Cooper song, uh, which is covered by Megadeth on the soundtrack. That's right. It is right. Um, all right. So shall we move on and get to our, our first uh, topic of the evening? I think we shall. Okay. Uh, stop so pussyfooting around as, you know. As you know are you going to start doing your pussy jokes that you've been writing down? Uh, you're not going to get me there for <laughs> once. Shame on me. I don't have any, but I'll start. I'll start on them. That'll be next now. My next kitty week. cat jokes. I do have quite you a few. You have quite a few of those. Yes, they're full of puns. <laughs> What's a pun now? The pun. <laughs> yes, yes. Don't make me punish you <clears throat> for not knowing. <clears throat> Jesus Christ. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Okay. So we're going to get uh, right into it now, mm-hmm. uh, with our very first segment. Which is one, two, three, four. Bizarre true stories. Bizarre true stories. And yeah, I said first um first segment. It's actually our first topic. First Should topic. I do it again? I don't think so. Me neither. I'm okay. gonna keep this in too. Okay, good. Uh yeah. yeah, so first it's our first topic. We already our did first our first segment. segment. Our first segment is uh book of the week. Uh, so our segments are done. We're on to our topic. So this is where the bulk of the show is going to be. And it's about bizarre true stories. Um, my hot topic. Top topic. No, did we not? That didn't come through. Okay, I'm going to strike that. Hot topic. Um, what are you going to pick? Hot topic. That's delicious. Mm. <laughs> so are the girls who work there. Uh, I oh, dated a girl who worked there at some point. At did one, you? I, 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 when our first hot topic opened up, I was like, went in and I was like, oh my God, this girl was hot, awesome. I was in love with her. And yeah. then like years later, I ended up working at Starbucks with her and she it was, she was cool. And I was like, you know, I used to think you were like the hottest thing at hot topic. And then I had to hang my Jinkos up and, uh, my studded belt, put it out to pasture. <laughs> Sometimes That's the saddest thing I ever heard. Is it? Is My story's way better because I banged that girl. But that's a, that's for another episode. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get into weird true stories because um, that's kind of fun and kind of cool. Why are you laughing? What's what's this? Because <laughs> I was gonna say you banged that girl, that specific girl. Like, thank you. <laughs> no, not that. Not, not your. I know. I know. I know. But. It's, <laughs> yeah no i remember you you were a giant pussy that's right <laughs> after i wasn't a pussy anymore <laughs> well you, man hey you know you say that but you know all evidence points otherwise so anyway uh we're, we're, we're trying this out this is a little different this is a little different uh uh for the show um i'm is i'm it? Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a new thing. We haven't you know done weird true stories before, so we're trying out something a little different. If it and if we like it, if it takes off, you know, maybe we'll 
we'll uh, do this again or even maybe make it a segment that we include in the show. Uh, I had a lot of fun uh, researching my topic. Uh, and uh, are we going to start with this one? I think we should maybe. And if we like it, maybe we'll spend a quarter on it. Ooh. You know, like, yeah. I, you know, two yeah. bits, two bits, a dollar. All right. So, yeah, we're, we're trying out this different uh, this different topic here. And what we're going to do is I'm going to tell you uh, some history, uh, you know, some um, a true story. And then John Wayne is going to tell you a true story. True story. So, yeah. So so uh, what I decided to talk about uh, the, for my weird true story is a place called the Cecil Hotel uh, in Los Angeles. Um, so I'm going to start by telling you just a little bit about the hotel. Uh, it was built in uh, 1924 by three hoteliers, uh, William Banks Hanner, Charles L. Dix, and Robert H. Shops, uh, as a destination uh, for business, travelers, and tourists. Um, now, this, this hotel was really swanky. Uh, it had this opulent uh, marble lobby with stained glass windows and um, an alabaster statuary and potted palms. That was really fancy, right? <clears throat> now, these guys invested like $2.5 million. Now, now, think about that in 1924 money, you know? Damn. Yeah, yeah. A lot of money. What right? is that adjusted for inflation? Do you know off the top of your head? It's a lot of money. Um, that's, the that's an exact figure. Uh, but they were very confident in their enterprise, uh, and and uh, you know they knew that uh, several similar hotels uh, had been established elsewhere downtown. But the problem was, is uh, five years later something uh, happened. Uh, do you know what it was that happened in 1929 that might have caused a problem? Was it an earthquake? No, it was the Great Depression. The Great Earthquake. <laughs> no, no, not the Great Depression. Not gotcha. the Great Depression. I mean, not the Great Earthquake Depression, but the Great Depression. And I'm not talking about the Great Depression of my of that's my life. I'm talking about the Great Depression of the United States. Uh, right. that, yeah. So, um, anyway, uh, although the hotel flourished as a fashionable des destination uh, through the 1940s, uh, the decades beyond saw the hotel decline. Uh, as the nearby area known as Skid Row became increasingly populated with transients. Uh, so, yeah, like it started to uh, have problems in the 20s, uh, but it really wasn't until, uh, uh, you know, in the late 20s. But it really wasn't until a few decades later that uh, it found itself in the center of Skid Row. Um, <clears throat> and I'm not talking about uh, the awesome 80s hair metal band. I'm talking about, you know, a, a poor neighborhood and why and, does the sebastian bach charge so much for his cameos who did i mean i know he's sebastian bach but i really he is at he's the one you should buy that shirt for because he's a sexy grandma who's to say i didn't like okay good but yeah yeah he's it, it, can i say he's also real quick real quick about skid row like it, it still exists today like in the same of course skid row's grown it's a huge yeah yeah ho homeless like transient like camp basically right uh yeah no no skid row hasn't gone anywhere um at, uh, at the time it said uh from my research it says as many as ten thousand homeless people lived within a four mile radius uh in 1929 though 
No, no, no. I'm talking oh, about. Uh, I'm talking about. In the, no, I'm talking about the 1940s. Uh, by the 1950s, the hotel had gained a reputation as a residence for transients. Oh uh, shit! Wah, 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 wah. Like charged by the hour, like Sid and Nancy, like shoot up. Well, actually, up, like fucking. Actually, actually, yeah, it became it became one of those. It became um, uh, a very popular place for um, uh, uh, prostitutes and pimps, you know, to, to do the charge by the hour thing. Absolutely. Well, pimping ain't easy, dude. No, it's not. Now, years later, uh, in, in, in many years later, 2007, a portion of the hotel was refurbished, uh, new owners took over, uh, and in 2011, the Cecil Hotel was rebranded uh, as a stay on main, complete with a new website, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and uh, in February 2017, the Los Angeles City Council voted to deem the Cecil Hotel a historic cultural monument uh, because of its represent- it's a representative of 20th century American hotels. Um, so it does have historic significance, but, uh, this place has a twisted, dark history leading up to that. So that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. Are you ready to be scared? I'm ready. And tell me the, the time gap that what you're about to tell us fills in right now between what years and what years. I will. Um, oh, I just, I just, for, for clarity's sake for me, uh, well, um, the are you gonna I'm do going it as you to go? tell, let's okay. see the. The stories I'm going to tell will range from 1931 until 2013. Cool. But don't worry, it's not going to be forever. I want a story for every fucking year. And I'm going to kind of just summarize things. Uh, But I wanted to tell you about this hotel, which is really the scariest hotel in America. Okay, dude. Well, till we get to my segment. Okay. We'll see. You got a hotel? You got a hotel, motherfucker? Oh, I got a hotel, motherfucker. Oh, shit. Yeah, well, your clown hotel has nothing on my on my Cecil, baby. At least I'd live where the hotel is. Whoa! What the fuck up? <laughs> no, nah, I'm just joking. I do live. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. I know you live in a hotel. I live in a hotel down <laughs> by the river. <laughs> down by the river. <clears throat> yeah, because uh, you're Richie Rich. You live in a hotel. I live in a motel because I'm Poe. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> So as the area, uh, uh, you know, began to decline, the area around the Cecil Hotel, suicides and other violent deaths on the premises became very frequent. Uh, the first documented suicide at the Cecil was reported in 1931 when a guest named W.K. Norton died in his room after taking poison capsules. He actually poisoned himself. Uh, you know, I'm not sure where you buy poison capsules, but this motherfucker had them. I was just about to ask, like, what did he like? he made them in like like arsenic and like those because i've made like uh where you take like a shrooms and put them in a, a like a coffee grinder and make them dust and you get that tray that you put all the the like kind of pill shells in and you you know kind of swipe them in there you put the pills on do you think he did something like that you know maybe i don't know i mean all i can say is like i always carry a cyanide pill in my cheek so i can I bite it and kill myself in case someone in public decides to talk to me well, you are top CIA operative. <laughs> they might get your uh, secrets from you, and we can't have right. that. Yes. They might get my dick jokes before I can tell I, them. <laughs> I also have a, a cyanide capsule in my tooth uh, that when I bite down on, it actually transmits to yours and opens yours. So I can <laughs> also control I that. that. Yeah. I appreciate Absolutely, that. Absolutely, dude. That's why yeah. we're very best friends, man. 
Yeah. I will bite your cyanide cap. <laughs> we, we are chums. So Put throughout that on a t-shirt. 40, so, so throughout throughout the 40s and the 50s, more suicides at the Cecil occurred. It became so commonplace that uh, by the 1960s, longtime residents uh, began to call the Cecil the suicide. Uh, like that's what they called the hotel. That's fucking no, metal, dude. It's metal as fuck, dude. If I was um, coming through there and you're like, oh, we're staying at the suicide, that's fucking cool. Was it yeah. cool? Or was it bad? Like, if you stayed there, you were like death. Like, uh, Well, it wasn't cool because it was Skid Row and it was filled with prostitutes and uh, and people killing themselves because they were so depressed and broke. Uh, so it probably wasn't the most cool metal atmosphere at the time. But it was still operating? Like, people were paying money to go to these yeah. rooms and kill themselves? Yes, absolutely. Ah, okay. That, yeah, okay. Like, like, like this was a this was a hotel for transients it was in, and drifters and stuff. It was cheap because it was like in a shithole area, uh, and people would stay there and just shoot up and take poison pills and kill themselves and and all sorts of uh, fun activities like that, like you do. Meanwhile, it's like, it, but it's it it it's in its former opulence, right? It it was like well, it's starting to deteriorate at this time. I, but but yeah, I mean, yeah, like it was very opulent and beautiful when it was opened in 1924. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, like the area declined, and therefore the hotel declined. Uh, but let me uh, let me talk about uh, the other things that happened here. Uh, in addition to suicides, the Cecil's history includes other kinds of violence and disturbing shit. Uh, it also became a notorious rendezvous for um, adulterous couples, uh, uh, drug activity, and a common ground for sex workers, as I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's where it gets really interesting. Okay. In, ni- in 1947, uh, Elizabeth Short... Uh, uh, was rumored to have been spotted drinking at the Cecil's bar in the days before her notorious and to date unsolved murder. Now, do you know who Elizabeth Short is also known as? I do not. Uh, Lizzie Borden, maybe? No. Lizzie Borden wasn't the type who hung out in bars. I was Uh, just making a joke. I I mean, an educated guess. Not an educated guess. Not even educated. No, you were just pulling shit out of your ass. Um, Joe Dirt. Yes, good old Joe Dirt. Um, No, Elizabeth Short was dubbed by the media as the Black Dahlia. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Very mysterious. Very mysterious. Now, Very mysterious. A quick little story about her. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, Elizabeth Short, uh, also known posthumously as uh, the Black Dahlia, uh, was a woman who was uh, found murdered in the Larry Mert Park neighborhood of Los Angeles. Uh, her case became highly publicized due to the graphic nature of the crime, which included her corpse having been mutilated and bisected. Uh, so, yeah, what like what it actually was is uh, bisected, for those who may not know, means chopped in half. She was literally chopped in half uh, when her body was found. Uh, and it was actually done uh, in a in a way that was very surgical, um, like the separation of the lower lumbar uh, and her intestines were pulled out. And tucked under her ass, like kind of like hidden that way. Uh, but she was also severely mutilated on her thighs and also on her face. Her face was cut from the corners of her mouth up to her ears and like a joker smile. It's actually what's known as the Glasgow smile, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because that's a common thing that gangsters in yeah. Glasgow do to each other. Um, so, yeah, she was she was really uh, severely mutilated. Um, 
so this woman, uh, she was a native to Boston, uh, but she also um, uh, lived in Florida before relocating to uh, California. Uh, so Boston, Florida, some of my old stomping grounds. Uh, you know, I used to know her. We used to hang out. Um, but uh, <laughs> you're time traveling, dude. You're you're, I, I you're am, on I a am. leaper, man. I am. You're you know, leaping. I, I leap, you know, and I try to solve people's problems like Sam and Quantum Leap, but I fail miserably. Ziggy. Um, <laughs> you're my Ziggy. You're 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 my no not Ziggy. You're my um uh, Al. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're my Al. Yes. Um anyway, um this this you're woman, my Al. <laughs> this woman, she was she was uh a, a basically an, an aspiring actress. Um uh and she was fairly young she was only i think 22 or so it's in my notes somewhere but i'm not gonna dig uh but she was she was young but she had been uh busted previously uh for drinking underage and so they had her fingerprints and that's how they identified the body she was actually found by a woman and uh who was out walking with her child uh who thought it was a mannequin at first uh but uh then uh you know found it and uh on like what happened is uh before the body was even removed by the police uh word got out to the press and like it was a big sensationalized story uh, because like the press got there, took a bunch of pictures of like this bisected body laying in, in, in Los Angeles area. Um, so uh, anyway, she acquires the name the Black Dahlia. Um, uh, and um, I'm trying to remember what it was here. Let me see if it's in my notes. Um, uh, there was a there was a film called. Yeah, that's it. There's a film called The Blue Dahlia. Uh, that came out in 1946, uh, and uh, she was like that was one of the reasons it was uh, you know, she got that nickname because the blue dahlia was out, and apparently she was known and was wearing uh, this very sheer black black clothing uh, when she was found. So that's where the name comes from. Um, after the discovery her of her body, which was on January fifteenth, nineteen forty-seven, the Los Angeles the police department began an extensive investigation investigation that produced produced over a hundred and fifty suspects, but yielded no arrests. Uh, Short's unsolved murder and the details surrounding it have had a lasting cultural intrigue, generating various theories of public speculation. Uh, so there's a lot of books and a lot of documentaries uh, and things like that. Uh, it's credited by historians as one of the first major crimes in a post-World War II America to capture national attention. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a crazy, crazy story um, that uh, is tied to the Cecil, one of the first of many. Uh, OK, so when I, it's also a movie that was kind of modern, maybe like the 90s. Is that there's or maybe several movies made out about this story. Yeah, that yeah, that's true. There's been like a metal band called the Black Dahlia Murders. Mm-hmm. Um, so why was this so impactful at that time? Well, like, I mean, obvious you know, reasons. I mean, it was in it was like a Jack the Ripper level murder. It was extremely gruesome. And again, uh, you know, the the press got there and had that had pictures of this shit. Uh, oh, before, yeah, before, before they... They, they could wrap up the body and everything. And although they had over 150 suspects, this case was never solved. Never solved. Uh, so, yeah, it captured the, the whole country's attention. This was kind of like one of the early, um, you know, like uh, true crime fascinations, you know, like before we had Forensic Files and Netflix, like people read the papers and were obsessed with this story. 
um, are there any theories regarding like that you were going to share? Or no, there are many, 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 many theories. I mean, I didn't want to do a whole history of the Black Dahlia here. I wanted to talk about the Cecil Hotel because there's no okay. theories. Well, how how is she connected to the Cecil Hotel then? Well, I already said that she was she oh. was seen in the weeks up to her death, uh, frequenting the bar there. That's she right. was known to frequent the bar at the Cecil Hotel, and then she ends up bisected. Bisected, got enough. The guts shoved up her ass for lack of shoved up her ass. Oh, shoved under her ass. Under her ass. So weird. Did did they take like a part of like a heart or something like with them? The liver or something? No, no. uh, But uh, uh, but uh, I will say that her her anus was, uh, and this this is going to tie into something I talk about later. Uh, Her anus was uh damaged so like they there is there were signs that she may have been sexually violated but there was no semen um found on the body so So if i can say like what you're trying to say is her anus hung loose like wizard sleeve (laughs) uh no it's not what i'm saying at all uh okay i'm sorry i totally misinterpreted that (laughs) Moving on. You love uh, me. <laughs> of course I do. You know I do. Uh, moving on. Uh, there were some other very bizarre uh, things that are tied into the Cecil Hotel. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to learn more about the Black Dahlia, there's plenty of information out there. It's a very interesting case. I was just trying to sum it, sum it up. Uh, uh, so, anyway, uh, so moving, moving forward, we'll jump to 1964. Okay. Okay. Uh, a retired telephone operator named Pigeon Goldie Osgood. Pigeon, I guess, is her, her nickname. Pigeon mm-hmm. Goldie Osgood, who had been a well-known and well-liked long-term resident of the hotel, because this is how it was. Like people who didn't have much money, they actually like planted themselves there and lived there. Yeah. Uh, she was found dead in her room. Uh, she had been raped, stabbed, and beaten, and her room was completely ransacked. Uh, a man named Jacques B. Elhanger was charged with her murder, but he was later cleared, and her death remains unsolved. You know what I'm picturing? The the place where Charles Bronson stays in Death Wish 3. <laughs> is that about right? Like No, because that's that's an actual like apartment building. This is a hotel, so it's like right. but people were living there, like, you know, and it was all crazy and like, you know, oh, yeah, Bill yeah, from Bill yeah, and Ted was like shooting guns at him and shit. Yeah, in that movie they're it's they're living in a slum area full of crime. So I mean it's kind of like that in that aspect. Uh but funny enough, this hotel uh was it like inspired a lot of uh famous horror stuff about hotels like it's the inspiration for uh the movie barton fink like we're not the, the whole movie but the the hotel in that movie i love that movie dude me too it's one of my favorite movies about writing um it is uh, probably my favorite movie about writing yeah it's a really good one um uh and it also like uh american horror story hotel that whole season it was inspired by the cecil okay i didn't did you watch that i didn't watch that one i tried to I, i'm not really that big of a, a fan of american horror story I watched the first season. Me too. And that's yeah. it. And part maybe a yeah. few episodes into the second season. Yeah. I, I tried some of the other ones. I just couldn't get into it. You know, but a lot of people love it. I was uh, surprised. They have like seven seasons or some shit. They keep putting it somewhere yeah. else. Like, they you have know, a yeah. yeah. American Horror Story on Mars. Whoa. Whoa. It's like well, American. Cool. 
That's a lot of assumption. That means that we've colonized Mars and, and claimed it for ourselves, America. And it's haunted. And that it's haunting. Like Ghosts of Mars. John Carpenter, his They're worst ripping off. <laughs> his worst movie. Great soundtrack, off. though. Great soundtrack. Um, Ice Cube shouts out. Yeah, he's not on the soundtrack, um, but uh, oh, the soundtrack is really good. The soundtrack is, I know he's in the movie. Uh, the soundtrack is actually John Carpenter doing the score, but he got a lot of like guys from heavy metal to like join him. So like some of the dudes from Anthrax and Steve Vai and like uh, are all like on the soundtrack uh, playing guitar and stuff with it. It's, it's, it's a good soundtrack. It's really good. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I will check um, that out for sure. Well, you better. <laughs> all right. So we're moving from 1964. We're going to go right to the 1980s. All right. <clears throat> Uh, and this might be, uh, even though even though that there's some tie to uh, the, the Black Dahlia here, what I'm going to say next is probably the most infamous. All right, so is as if um, the Black Dahlia wasn't infamous enough uh, association to the Cecil, uh, it's also been uh, 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 highly rumored, I guess you might say, uh, but it's it's almost known uh, fact that uh richard ramirez uh the serial killer also known as the night stalker was rumored to be a resident of the hotel um yeah he was a regular uh uh, presence on the skid row area of los angeles and according to to a hotel clerk who claims to have spoken to him uh he's rumored to have stayed at the cecil for a few weeks uh and there have been other people who have confirmed this uh over the years um so did the, for, did the clerk say what like did they said he said to him or is it just like I talked to him? Was it like no, no, it was just like your basic shit. Um okay. you know, but uh uh so is actually suspected of having engaged in some of his killings while living at the hotel. Like in the rooms and shit? No, not in the rooms. No, none of his victims were found in the rooms, but he would kill people and then return to um, the Cecil and stay while- there. While he lived there, yeah. okay, gotcha. And gotcha. Uh, there's actually some reports of him like leaving the Cecil, uh, like fully dressed, and then coming back like barely wearing anything, you know, like discarded because he discarded his bloody clothing elsewhere. I mean, we've all had that kind of night. I mean, you know, yes, yes. You leave in a three-piece suit, you come home in a bikini-cut brief. It happens, you know. It's what you do, um, especially if you're murdering people. Uh, I, for, I mean, allegedly. So for, so for those who don't know, Richard Ramirez was an American serial killer, uh, serial rapist, and burglar. Uh, he was uh, a home invader, much like uh, Horace Pinker uh, from Shocker, who we were talking about. Uh, and also, um, you had mentioned the whole pentagram on the palm, and that's what Richard Ramirez was known as, was having was... the pentagram on the palm. Uh, yeah, uh, Ramirez's crime spree terrorized the residents of the greater Los Angeles area, and later... Uh, the residents of San Francisco. And um, this was between uh, uh, the summer of 84 to the summer of 85. Um, uh, and prior to the to his capture, he was dubbed the Night Stalker by news media. Um, because basically what this, this fucking piece of shit did is he would break into people's homes uh, in the middle of the night and he would kill the husband first because the husband posed the biggest threat, you know. Mm. Uh, he killed the husband first, just shoot him in the chest or whatever, uh, and then he would uh, usually rape the, and kill the woman. And if there were kids in there, he would do uh, the same thing. And it, and like this wasn't just like 
he didn't like pick out particular women he was interested in or anything. He just did this randomly, mm-hmm. uh, including to like old ladies and stuff. Uh, so he was really, really fucking awful. And it was, he, it was abhorrent. And he was also like one of those people that was worshipped in court by women and, and they threw themselves yes. upon them. That was one of those cases where that yes. makes like, I mean, I, I mean, I've made it no, we've made it no you know fucking beef about it here we don't wor- have like serial killer worship no like, not at all. on this, this podcast at all yeah no. <clears throat> i mean i'm not into that at, like at all but i will but... i will i will say this though um mm-hmm. uh the ramirez story uh somewhat influenced uh my novel gone to see the river man in the sense that the main character is one of those serial killer groupie types and is obsessed with this killer named edmund cox um who uh isn't based on Ramirez necessarily uh but one aspect of the Ramirez story I did steal is that Ramirez is um uh it was his uh cousin his older cousin who had been to Vietnam and his mind basically snapped from the amount of horrors that he went through in Vietnam and he had all of these like pictures uh that he brought back of all the people he had murdered uh, including like pictures of him, like, r- r- you know, raping women with, with their heads cut off and shit like that, that he showed to, to Richard uh, Ramirez. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at one point he and Richard Ramirez and uh, his cousin's uh, girlfriend were hanging out and they got into an argument and his cousin uh, shot and killed his girlfriend right in front of Richard. Uh, and Damn. Richard was like 12 at the time. Uh, and his uh, his cousin ended up going to an insane asylum. But a lot of this had a, a big effect on uh, Richard Ramirez. And I took pieces of that story and kind of incorporated it into the background of my character, Edmund Cox, in Gone to See the River Man, now available from Cemetery Dance and Grindhouse Press. Um, so so you're saying it was all worth it then? You got the story out of it. Oh, Jesus. I was it like, was. I'm just, <laughs> Jesus. I'm just fucking. Uh, Come on. No, I know. I know. But no, no. Like there were some elements. Uh, but really what, what inspired me is the whole thing where like they did with Ramirez is that like you have these women who are starstruck by serial killers, uh, in, including like like Richard Ramirez was known for being a rapist murderer. Like he targeted women. He was a absolute monster. And these crazy women would go to his trial and just be like i love you uh and he was also like you know this heavy metal uh killer like he loved like he used to like play his walkman with acdc motley crew and whatever when he did his killings and he was like all thought he was all cool heavy metal uh he also showed no remorse uh at his at his trial at all uh he claimed to be a satanist um used a wide variety of weapons uh handguns knives uh tire iron a machete um and yeah he, he he killed and and raped and tortured a lot of people um and uh and he ended up um you know spending a life in rest of his life in prison and he died of complications from b-cell lymphoma while awaiting execution on death row so he didn't even like get death he didn't even get yeah. put to death he like died natural causes scumbag yeah but, uh but he's one of those serial killers that like all the like that these that people are, are like, yeah, rock and roll. Heavy metal. And I'm like, you're a fucking asshole. This guy broke into people's houses. He like raped and murdered old old ladies. And you think that's super metal and kids, like, too. And, and you're like, yeah, yeah. And yeah. you can look up his pictures like on like, you know, Google. He in his trial, he <laughs> like you're saying he shows no remorse. Like he definitely has this fixed look on his face. He's smiling. Like, that's yeah, just he's... like 
he gives he's a smiling fuck, in pictures. He's holding you know? up his hand with the pentagram drawn on it. Yeah, yeah he's a piece of crap. Um, but uh, the great story, the great part of this story, uh, is how he got caught. I don't know if you're familiar with this, uh, Tell but us. Um, they managed to figure out who he was, and the cops. <clears throat> Um, put his picture in the paper. He had had prior arrests for burglary and stuff like that. So they put his picture in the paper saying, this is the guy, this is the guy we need, because uh, they couldn't find him. Mm. So his paper is on every fucking picture, his, his picture is on every paper in the country, you know? And he's like at a gas station or something, and he sees it and he freaks out, and he's like trying to go home. He's walking through a neighborhood in Los Angeles where a lot of these killings or or in san francisco i can't remember uh which which city was at the time but uh he was in one of those uh where he lived and he's and he's like trying to get home because he's freaking out and like it's the middle of the summer so like people are out and barbecuing and stuff and this group of people see him and they're like that's the fucking guy that's richard ramirez you know they recognize him from the paper you know oh shit and so like these civilians just run after him and start beating the living fuck out of him, dude. Like they jam. Yeah. Yeah. They like knock him down and do some vigilante justice. They beat the living shit out of him. You know, someone calls the, you know, the cops saying, Hey, we got him, but they not only held him there, they beat him senseless, dude. Uh, so, and, 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 we're, and they weren't charged at all. Right. No, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's a whole sordid story. That was actually, I think, one of, if not the first true crime novel I ever read was a book called The Night Stalker, all about him. And I have this funny memory where I was reading it, and I'm like 15, you know, and I'm reading it, and um, my dad was watching like a football game or something in the living room, and I'm sitting in the living room reading this, and I come across a word that I don't know, you know? So I mm. turn to my dad, and I'm like, Dad, what does fellatio mean? <sighs> And my dad looks at me like, what the fuck are you reading? And he goes, it means sucking dick. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> I love that. I'm sorry. That's awesome. It means sucking dick. Yeah, at least he didn't sugarcoat it. He, he did, did not. not. Bury he the did lead. not dude. No, no. He did not bury the lead. No, and he just he like, continued on with your book. And he watched <laughs> Giants score another touchdown. And it was yeah, all good. Yeah. He just looked at me like, what are you? He was like, oh, it means sucking dick. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> it means sucking dick. Because in the book, like. Fuck yeah, know. dude. It does. <laughs> it, that's what it means. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You know, and it. You know, I thought I was done with dick jokes. I thought so, too. But here they keep coming back, dude. I, you know, like, I, I didn't plan that one. And I can't be mad at it because it's funny because no, you left your ass off so you can't be mad <laughs> i'm back i'm back on board for You're the dick <laughs> so you might think whoa that's a whole lot of stuff for the cecil hotel to be involved in that's crazy but wait there's more okay okay so there's this other guy right uh an austrian guy his name is Jack Unterweger, uh, and he stayed at the hotel in the 90s. But I'm going to go back a little bit and tell you who this guy is. Okay? Okay. Uh, Johann Jacques Unterweger uh, 
was an Australian uh, killer. Uh, and initially he was convicted in 1974 uh, of murdering a woman. Uh, and by uh, he, uh, he garroted her. He choked her to death with her own uh, brassiere. So he choked her with her own bra, 1974. Hot. Yeah. So... He goes to prison, uh, and then he starts to write uh, rather extensively. He writes a whole lot of stuff, and his work gains a lot of attention uh, of the Austin uh, or Austrian uh, literary elite, uh, and they take it as evidence that he has been rehabilitated because he writes like this really interesting stuff. Did uh, Austrian or Australian? You said you said Austrian. Both. I'm sorry. Okay, okay. Just just clarifying. You said Australian okay. earlier. Austrian. Not, Austrian. Yeah, I know. I I I think I messed that one up. Yeah. No, that's okay. Because I was like, because I thought I was like, well, he's obviously an undercover Nazi scientist, no. but then you're like Australian, and I was like, good day, mate. <laughs> no, no, no. He was he was Austrian, and okay, no, gotcha. like uh, no, not a not a Nazi because I mean he was born in 1951. I mean, I. He was he was not involved with the Nazis as far as I know. Uh, but no, he, he he just he kills this woman in the in the 70s. Uh, and then he starts writing all of this stuff. And, um, you know, it's kind of like uh, in the belly of the beast or something, you know, like uh, where they're like, oh, OK, he's he's like clearly rehabilitated. He's writing all this really interesting stuff and and talking about all this. Uh, and so um, after significant lobbying, Unterweger is released on parole in 1990. All right. Uh, and so after his release, Unterweger becomes kind of a, a small-time celebrity, uh, and he becomes like a playwright and a journalist and all this stuff. And so he's like actually a reporter. Um, but then what happens is within a few months, he starts to kill women again. Uh, and here's where it gets really fucked up. Uh, he's killing these women, and because he's a reporter, he's reporting on the the crimes he's actually committing peter parker thy name is spider-man <laughs> like just jack like, unterweger <laughs> just like spider-man would set up the camera to get pictures of himself this if guy Spider is scooped if spider-man Spider choked women with their bras and who knows he may very well have uh then yeah this is this is kind of like that <laughs> wow that's crazy dude he's like well, there's there's more to it. Um, Talk about a, a slow news day. <laughs> dude, this, yeah, it's crazy, dude. Like it's when within months that he gets released, he starts killing women. Um, he kills nine more women. Jesus. Yeah. And um, he stays in the hotel, the Cecil in 1991. Um, and a lot of people speculate it's because he was uh, enamored with the murders of Richard Ramirez. And that he stayed there because he Ramirez had stayed there. Um, but yeah, he's 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 killing these women. And the 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 crazy thing is he um he commits he ends up, you know, because he traveled because he was a journalist, is he ended up going to different countries and stuff. He mm -hmm. commits murder in several countries, uh, these nine murders. Uh like he's he's all over the globe killing people, and every woman he kills, he does the same way, he chokes them to death with their bra. <laughs> All right. Uh, and so like he's, he's finally caught and he's convicted uh, for the nine murders. He's caught in 1994. So for four years, um, he's he's out killing people after he was released because all these literatis thought he was rehabilitated. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he uh, commits suicide in prison by hanging himself. So even himself, he killed by, you know, garroting in a way. 
Allegedly, oh. Epstein didn't do it. Hashtag didn't kill himself. <laughs> uh, so yeah, shortly after his conviction, he hangs himself. So there's another guy. Uh, there's another weird story tied to the Cecil. Interesting, but none of these murders actually occurred at the Cecil. Like none of these these murderers brought their victims back, or did no? They? I, like I said before, <clears throat> there was there was a retired phone operator named Pigeon Goldie Osgood who was um uh, who had been living in the hotel, and this was in 1964, and she was raped, stabbed, and beaten, and her room was ransacked. But right. they caught who did it. Right, that was, yeah, they didn't know, but, like, none of these, the known people, like Richard Ramirez and, you know, like... No, no, they, they didn't, didn't bring people back to the hotel. Okay, no. that, yeah, but, I was just... But, but, speaking of that. people who died at the hotel and may have been killed at the hotel, uh, this brings me to my last super spooky case at the okay. scene. And this is as, as uh, not, not far back, this is in 2013 that this happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, by then, the Cecil was rebranded. Uh, it was called the Stay on the Main, although it still kept the original Hotel Cecil sign and all that stuff because it was you know, very historic. Uh, anyway, in 2013, it became the focus of renewed attention when uh, surveillance footage of a young Canadian student named Eliza Lamb uh, was behaving erratically in the hotel. Now, do you happen to know who Eliza Lamb is? Is the girl that uh, they found in the freezer? No. Then no, I don't. Okay. Um, well, there's a very uh, famous viral video of this woman in an elevator in the Cecil. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the video depicts Lamb repeatedly pressing the elevator buttons. She's pressing the buttons, like, not to go to one floor, like multiple floors. Um, and then she's walking in and out of the elevator. Uh, and it's like the way she's acting when you watch the video, it seems like she's like, worried that that someone's after her like she's she's trying to hide from someone like at first she pokes her head out of the hotel uh the the elevator doors and is looking back and forth and then quickly jumps back inside uh Mm -hmm. one of the other creepy things about this is normally when you stand in a in in an elevator door and don't press any buttons the door closes that does not happen in this case the door remains open the whole time uh she comes out of the door and she's looking back and forth and for a while she's standing there the door remains open the whole time it never closes and she's gesticulating wildly uh, as if she's talking to someone, but there's no one there. You never see anyone else through the, like, they think it's like three minutes worth of footage of this woman. And she's gesticulating and acting really panicked. Right. Uh, and the, and the reason that this security footage was brought up uh, is because what happened a few days before this video was looked at is um, the people that were staying at the hotel uh, were reporting uh, a really strange taste uh, to their water, the tap water. Uh, and also people that were using it to shower and whatever were saying that the water was coming out black. Uh, and so a maintenance man, you, you look scared. <laughs> you look no, like, I'm like, I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, like, in the fucking water. I think I'm like starting to get hot you. water tank or something. I think I'm starting to get you. I think I'm starting to scare no, you. No, I'm just listening, dude. I'm not scared. I might scared. turn the light on. In You're, here, a GP. It's fine. You're a GP. I was a GP. <laughs> I had the GP tattoo graded off with the cheese grater. That's how committed I am. 
I'm just saying, dude, it's spooky. It's creepy. Like it I like to listen. No, it is. To that it thing. is. It's a very creepy story. It's very. Like creepy. I want. I I want to say that I've heard this story maybe told before because I listen. I've listened to a lot of true crime podcasts. Right. But like, li- like even listening to you describe the video, I can see it in my head, and I'm yeah. like, three minutes yeah, gesticulating it, at nothing. I want to see this video. No, yeah, yeah. Check check it out. Like like it's a it's a, probably the the it's one of the creepiest videos you'll ever see. Uh, all you have to do is go and type in Eliza Lamb, and there'll be a million pop ups. It's you know on YouTube all over the place. It's it went viral. Um, so pardon me. Um, you know, like people guests start reporting this this stench uh like this this stink in the water and it's black and it tastes weird uh and so there are uh water cisterns up on the roof and so the maintenance man goes up there to check them make sure that nothing's wrong um now here's where it gets creepy uh creepier i should say uh in order to to access certain like key code an alarm goes off uh so you know he accesses the key code and he goes he goes up there and he has to climb up a ladder, and then there's these four different water tank, uh, water supply cisterns on the hotel roof. Um, but even those aren't easy to access. Like, he has to get, like, a stool and everything to go up there and open them up. And he has to, like, pop them open and all this stuff. But he goes up there, and he's looking in them. And in one, he finds the body of uh, this Asian woman uh, floating in one of the tanks. Now, she's naked. Uh, but her clothes are floating in the tank with her and she looks like, and she's bloated. So she's been there for a couple of days. Um, and of course this woman turns out to be Eliza lamb. Uh, and so that's when they go back and they look at the security footage and you have this video of her looking like she's running from someone. She's in the hotel. Uh, I mean, she's in the elevator and she's like freaked out and she like presses a whole bunch of buttons. She, and then she's like pokes her head out, looks back and forth. And then she's hiding in the elevator. The door never closes. She jumps outside and she's just gesticulating like she's talking to someone, but no one's there. Uh, now, it, it's, it gets more interesting and kind of sad in a way, um, because uh, like this hotel, uh, the Cecil, at this point, because it's kind of like in a shitty area, uh, was also kind of a hostel, right? Uh, so initially, Eliza was staying with a group of people in that she didn't know, like in this hostel room, you know, to save right. money. Yeah, uh, and she she was Canadian. She was she was here in America on like on a vacation or holiday, um, and uh, very multicultural of you. It, it, thank you. Um, so she's there, uh, just taking a, like a vacation on her own, and her parents were worried about her uh, going off on her own because she was a young woman, and also she suffered from bipolar disorder. Uh, so she was in this hostel with these other people. Mm-hmm. And they complained to the management about her because she was acting really strange. Uh, and so she ended up getting put in a private room after that. Um, so uh, anyway, they, they, they find the body. Uh, police like, you know, bring her out of this water tank. And again, this is really weird because if she had met, if she had walked up there or if someone had walked her up there, the alarms would have gone off. You know, uh, so the all the only way the alarms couldn't have gone off is if she was walked there by someone who worked at the hotel. Uh, but again, you see her acting crazy in the video, uh, and there's no one there, but she's talking like someone's there. You know, uh, and so mm. there's a lot of people who speculate like paranormal activity in this, particularly because Richard Ramirez lived at the hotel. Uh, Jack Unterweger lived at the hotel. 
you know, so like you have this history of these these dead serial killers uh, who lived at the hotel, and you got this young woman who turns up floating in a water tank on the on the roof, uh, who really like even if she had managed to get a code or got through without the code, uh, you know, because there is some speculation that you could potentially get up there using the fire escape if you were really daring. Uh, and kind of like pulled some, you know, uh, a, a racro- uh, acrobatic shit to get up there. Uh-huh. But even if she did all of that, e- just getting into the water tank is difficult enough. Like the 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 the, the uh, repair uh, the uh, maintenance man had to like get a ladder to go into it and everything. There was no ladder found at this at this scene, and she's uh, and she's you know her body's floating in there. She's been there a couple of days. Uh, so the cops take her out and everything, and they're inspecting her, and they don't find any signs of a struggle. It's not like her fingernails are broken from scat- scratching her attacker, or there's no like bruises on her necessarily. But mm-hmm. she does have a prolapsed anus. Ah, uh, a noose hangs loose like wizards. Like wiz- <laughs> Yeah, like we were talking earlier about Dahlia, at, who was also a victim who stayed at this hotel, and how oh, she had oh. been anally um uh, uh penetrated attack even though they found no semen same thing with um with eliza lamb uh she had a prolapsed anus so that basically not to be gross but that means the anus is actually outside of the body the rectum is outside of the body um so it is possible that she was sexually assaulted again no semen found um uh or it could be just from the bloating of the corpse um that pushed it out now her Death was was ruled a suicide because they had no evidence of homicide whatsoever, uh, and they also you know attributed this to her bipolar disorder. They and frankly, it makes sense um, uh, that you know she had gone into some kind of manic tailspin, and that's why she was acting so weird in the in the elevator in the video. And um, they believe that she somehow got up to the roof and jumped into the water tank and drowned uh and they found like that was her cause of death is that she that she drowned um yeah so so that no other like trauma at all just like it was drowning very scary yeah like like how she got into there remains a total mystery uh and that is the story of eliza lamb and again you on youtube and just type in eliza lamb and you'll see this video and it's really creepy uh, particularly when you put it into context. Right. So that is the Cecil Hotel. Now, is that not a crazy true story? It is very crazy and very true. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a very true, crazy story. I did good. Um, am I good? Did I do good? You did great, dude. You did great. Captivated me. I was interested. Uh, I was scared. Yeah. And then you, uh, like most uh, true crime shows and podcasts, brought me to the brink of satisfaction and then said, oh, none of this is solved and it's all fucked up. So and I blew it. Yeah. Just like, uh, no, that's exactly what I expected. And I got what I expected. So. Some of it solved those two serial killers. They caught them and they, you know, like and all that. But Black Talia, no, it's not solved. Eliza Lamb, no, it's not solved. Uh, well, I mean, they think it's solved. They think that, uh, you know, uh, uh, Eliza, anyway, they think that she uh, committed suicide. Uh, they think she was in a matic state. Again, like all of those people in the hostel with her were like, yeah, she's acting really bizarre. 
Uh, and then when you see the video, there's no one there and she's acting as if someone is, uh, and she's acting totally paranoid. Um, but it's still, there's a lot of weird circumstances around her death. And there's no audio on this tape, right? I'm sure. No, it's just, it's just a video of her, um, in the elevator. Yeah. Creepy dude. It's really good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very good. Creepy. Well, I think that, uh, now that you've had the floor, it's time to pass the mic, much like a, a rap battle of sorts. You would pass yeah. the mic to me. Or if we I were did. on the same rap duo, you would pass the mic to me for the next verse, maybe. So either way, we don't have to be like against each other in this. No, but no, I, no. I also I also have some things uh, scary prepared. I, bizarre I, tales. I, I'm 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 nervous, but I'm ready. OK, let's let's hear it. Uh, what are you going to tell us about? Well, I mean, uh, I think we get to introduce this as a new topic or or do we keep going? Sure. We can enter like, yeah, absolutely. Like my topic was the Cecil Hotel. Uh, and that brings us to our next topic. This is topic A of the original topic, Weird Stories. Uh, and that topic is. One, two, three, four. Texas bizarre tales of crazy horror and also stuff <laughs> that is weird. <laughs> Yeehaw. 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 Good we show. Here. Thank you. It Good was a great show, show dude. Yeah. So hot, hot babes on that. The hottest. But uh I finally bagged me a homer. You so you you talked talked about Cecil Hotel. Very cool, very good story. I went yep. to I went more like because I, I am a hometown boy. I love I love Texas. I love living in Houston. I'll disclose it. I'll dox myself, unlike you who lives in parts unknown. Uh, so I, I being proud of the Texas, I decided to look at some weird Texas stuff. Not only that, but ones that I was kind of, I, I had a, you know, I got, I was close to in some way. So it's all about you, isn't it? So I, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I actually, I start, see when I, I when I research this thing, I start by Googling myself and back <laughs> and just kind of go back from that. And that's how I put all these stories together. Well, then, you know, what we'll have to do is you and I will have to go stay at the Cecil Hotel in L.A. and we'll have to report live from it. And, I would do that. And then it would be about you. I would make it all about me, dude. And then you'll be more interested. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> fucker. Anyway, so I have um, as as you know or do not know, I have uh I play in a band and have played in many bands for many years mm. and I've driven all across this great state of Texas and even across this great nation, the lower 48 or 47. If you don't recognize Florida as Chris does not. Um, so uh, one of the things across Texas, it's huge. We've talked about that, but you know, you make it work to your advantage. So you hit all the major cities, you know, we're in Houston. So you got to go from Houston to like San Antonio or, Austin or Austin to San Antonio, and then you keep going north or west, whatever you're doing, uh, or if you're going east, but either way. So when we're driving, we've been driving many times and seen this sign and passed over this bridge for uh, what's called um, Woman Hollerin' Creek. Nice. That's what that's what the sign says. That's what it is. Cool it is, isn't it? It's fucking weird. Yeah. So we, so we drive. I mean, I've driven over that creek a lot of times while okay. I've been driving to different places, and I'm we're always like women hollering creek, man. Yeah, like just like whatever. I and, make women holler. <laughs> okay, I didn't. 
like that kind of joke. You had to take it to, I mean, no, joke. Yeah, that is funny. That's funny. Um, you do make women holler, dude. You make them shout. Yeah, uh, I do. They they go get away from me, more. You creep. Yes. <laughs> so here's the thing about woman holler and creek. Um, what what the legend? Why it's named that is? Yes, please tell uh, me. Why it's named that is uh, a woman who uh, she was burned in a house fire by her husband, who also killed. Uh, her the kids died in the fire. She was terribly disfigured in that all of her fingers were burned off and her hands like resembled hooves in that. that that's how like, you know, Jesus. they were blackened and they were just like big nub things. So uh, she her, you know. Her face was uh, burned. She was she was very, very disfigured and she would uh, walk up and down the creek look like looking for her kids she dies and she starts to appear back at the creek with a don uh, a donkey head uh for a head um wait the donkey head was her head she has a donkey head on now which okay. is which goes back Makes to sense which goes back to a different legend in Texas in San Antonio uh called the legend of La Lorna where a similar type of thing happens in this like creek uh, area, but this woman, uh, for her part in whatever happened about the, the the killing of the oh, the legend of that is her rich uh, you know boyfriend that she's been dating for all this time and diplomat like all this like big highfalutin dude, mm. um, says that he is leaving her because or he doesn't want to get married to her because she has kids. So she kills her kids for him and comes to him and is like, I killed my kids so that we could be together. And he's like, wow, you're a psychopath. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's like, they, I'm out <laughs> and they take, and they take her away and she like commits suicide or something, or she's killed. But her punishment for that is she comes back with a horse's head and her ghost like haunts like the area. So for whatever reason, it, it, you know how, folklore and stuff gets down this woman of, of woman hollering creek comes back with a donkey's head and her fingers are all burned so they look like hooves and she walks up and down that creek at night looking for her kids howling and snarling uh there have been reports of people who have said that uh the this woman has even jumped up onto their hood and uh screamed into their into their windshield which sounds fucking metal as shit i wish that would have happened donkey woman um, screaming at you yeah yeah but like and also just so people know like this is out in no there's nothing around like texas mm -hmm. is desolate at points like so it's not like uh we drove across woman hollering creek and then stopped at the applebee's at the next exit right like, it's it's desolate and I, you can see how these how people could hear things and, and see things and and kind of put all that together right um but it, it stuck so much that they that that's what the creek is called woman wow. hollering that's pretty scary. cool that's pretty Very cool yeah. yeah and the fact that i've driven over it all these times and not even known like that it, that's what it was even creepier i like to think that i drove over it and maybe the ghost of the lady with the donkey head Pulled, the the, finger. pulled yeah. a little like Ghostbusters Dan Aykroyd ghost like blowjob on me and I didn't know. <laughs> but now I do. You know what's and funny is um, funny. Taylor Swift has like songs about 
guys breaking up with her, but she has no songs about blowjobs. Shake them off. Think about that for a minute, Taylor Swift. <laughs> Shots fired, Taylor Swift. You're on notice from vital social issues and stuff. Hey, I'm just help the girl, you know? That's it. Taylor, show us your navel and talk about blowjobs. That's all we want to see. Yep. You'll keep a man. Now, um, <clears throat> so of course with Texas, there's a couple up top that I want to get out of the way. One, the chupacabra. Now, chupacabra is known primarily in Latin countries, but because we border Mexico, there are many ranchers who swear up and down in Texas that they've been uh, privy to seeing the chupacabra and having it decimate their livestock. Mm-hmm. So what like Texas ranchers have reported like the the chupacabra being four feet tall, uh, covered in spikes with claws and scaly skin. It sounds and, like you. Thank you. And of, and of course, <laughs> we know that chupacabra means goat sucker in and so like it sucks the blood out of the things that it kills so that's what these ranchers were claiming that all like thousands of animals were drained of blood from the chupacabra so you know of course this is never found out like you know there's you can find a bunch of faked up pictures of chupacabras online but and they look like differently like this is honestly having them described as four feet tall i've never heard of a chupacabra being like that that sounds like a like a short man or something like a like willow like like <laughs> davis like god rest <laughs> has he passed rest in power has not. Gone? but you know who has billy barty god rest uh and like chukacabra could be billy barty if he was four feet it could and uh you know what i've never seen okay so when i see you know i read this and it was like scaly skin um claws that type of thing it it made me think immediately of an armadillo which we have a lot of armadillos here and they are scaly they have they're weird looking they have claws Mm -hmm. never have i seen a four foot armadillo uh stand or uh, an armadillo standing on its hind legs or one that sucked blood before but but i'm willing to bet that possibly a trick of the light happened and these armadillos have been blamed for what I like to call the vampire scourge of Texas. Now, turn in your Bibles to passage. <laughs> but this scourge was all like this scourge was all farm animals. It wasn't people. So I it mean, is, this very this very likely could have been coyotes or something. Well, this was used to blame for you know um, when livestock would get a disease that would wipe out like a whole thing or uh, like a whole. Okay. You know, like all that, or so like, when, just like, or when a group of wolves would come in and tear tear up a, a, a you know, that same okay. thing too. But yeah, but, but yeah, it wasn't just like them being slaughtered; it was also them being infected. I guess you're saying with some kind of like virus. Well, it was just used as an excuse because, like, right. they the the reported, like I said, goat sucker. They always reported that the blood was sucked yeah. from all of the animals. So you know, these goat are just sucker would be a good name for our band. Goat sucker was my uh, nickname in middle school, actually. Long story. You used to blow goats. Yeah. First so. time, long time. Um, <laughs> I mean, we talked about prolapse anus, people. So check. So just hey, strap in. Here's Taylor not. Swift. You could learn from this man. You're on notice, Taylor. Uh, 
No, it was right here. If you want to start sucking, (laughs) feel like I'm right here. Reach out to the Corey hotline. Ask for Chris. I'm here for you, Taylor. Go ahead. Come off. Um, so (laughs) sorry. So the chupacabra is one like that, that while it's not necessarily like it's, it's, you know, much more, like I said, in Latin American countries, us bordering Mexico in Texas here, there's all these sightings on the border of these chupacabras. And while I'm speaking of the chupacabra, I do want to point out um, that uh, a very uh, fine musical artist named Brian Kenny Fresno, who uh, we I, I had the pleasure of playing with years ago, and he has a song called Bobby Salazar, which is about a Mexican food chain in his hometown of Fresno, California, called Salazar's, and how this guy was like embezzling money and got arrested and all this shit. But he specifically calls out a uh item on the menu called the chupacabra so worth the listen folks and what's can i ask what that item is is it like a burger or what yeah go ahead and ask is it a burger (laughs) or what you don't know how many burgers do you eat at uh, Mexican food restaurants. Steve, well, I don't know what the fuck <laughs> it is. You tell me. Is it a taco? Is it a burrito? Is it was it a, a burrito. Is it a bowl of beans? It's a burrito. All right. It's a bowl of beans married <laughs> to a burrito living in sin in the Yucatan Peninsula. Mmm, enchiladas. Anyway, Brian Kenny Fresno rules. So, Moving on, of course, of course, we have to ref- we have to talk about the Alamo. So the Alamo's in San Antonio. San Antonio is one of like supposed to be uh, one of the most haunted cities in Texas, uh, like next to I would say Galveston. So the Alamo, aside from Pee Wee's bike never being found and recovered from the basement, um, the Alamo has famously been reported for you know ghosts of monks walking amongst the uh, well. Hold grounds. on, like, uh, wh- yeah. Are you not going to talk about? Like what, what happened the Alamo to... was? Yeah, what happened? Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. I thought everyone took Texas history and not just myself. Well, I mean, I think most people know what happened and you're, everything. You're right. But I mean, you're right. don't you want to like briefly, like just you know, not get into the whole history, but just briefly what happened. You're right. Um, I, I, you're absolutely right. So, uh, so the Alamo was uh, a mission in Texas that got turned into a base where John Wayne came and he brought no. <laughs> all of his friends and they hung out and no. they killed and then Santa Anna came at the credits but they all haunted it afterwards and then Pee-wee's bike was in the basement did i miss did i miss anything or so uh John Wayne does not know the history of the Alamo um so anyway moving on talk about your monks <laughs> it was <laughs> the battle of texas dude come and take it we had, uh, you know, the the very famous movie uh, for my namesake, John Wayne, the Alamo, um, yes. tells all about it. You know, I'm. It's a mission that was turned into a fucking base where they fought the Mexicans coming to Texas and Santa Ana attacked them and they fucking lost. They were slaughtered. Everyone died. Yes, they did, but they they fought to the end. They fought tooth and nail, and they like. They never gave up, and that's like the the history of uh, like that's the uh, saga of the Alamo. Is that they? I'm sorry. Do you live in Texas all of a sudden? No, but because I I think that's implied. Of course, they didn't give up. They're Texans. Yeah. Well, you know, I live in America, and I know the history of the Alamo, and I can tell it 
having to be like, and John Wayne saved him, saved Texas. Okay, well, I think that it's very well established that I'm the silly one here. And of course, since my name is John Wayne, I'm going to make a joke. Did you know that Indiana had a, had a fake leg? Indiana who? Indiana Jones. He had a fake leg. <laughs> I did not know that. But no, Santa Ana. Santa Ana, the leader of the Mexican army? Yes. He had a, he had a wooden leg. leg. Yeah, he kept whiskey in it. Mm-hmm. Famously. Yeah. And you would think it would be tequila, but and he was a whiskey you, man. Did you know about David Crockett? Yeah, he had that hat. Yes. And he had a and then David Bowie had his knife. Yes. And they defend and they put them together on a and the, it was like <laughs> it was the first peanut butter and chocolate. <laughs> David Bowie was at David the Bowie and died showed up and he was like, Is there life on Mars? And he had this knife. And when Sandy Alley killed him, uh, San, this is Sandy. Sandy Alley? What is Santana? And Santana and Rob Thomas came in Santana, on their high horses. When Santana killed David Bowie at the Alamo, he said, pretty freaky, man. And that's and that's why we celebrate Christmas today. Pretty freaky. <laughs> that, you know what? Should be. That couldn't I'm going to go ahead and adopt that into our canon right <laughs> like now. That is why. We could we could not have butchered the Alamo story more. So go ahead. Like, wh- what is this shit about the ghosts of monks haunting the Alamo? What kind of nonsense is this? So monks? actually, what happens is David Bowie and his ghosts from Mars haunt the grounds. No, it, it is it's it's me, famously the- haunted it's by right. monks that are always like walking the grounds. They they Why? see uh because it was they were killed there. It was a uh, it was a monastery. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah it was a mission. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the, that's what it was, and then they yeah, turned right. it yes, in. I know, I know. You're and right. They fortified it. Um, I but was yeah. just like, I was like the ghosts of monks. Like, I, I didn't. It didn't make sense. But no, you're right. Yeah, it was. It was a mission. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was like monk. Uh, you know, like famous monks that were there, like the yeah, monkeys, like the uh, so, like shit. like uh, Peter yeah. Nesmith. Did his mother made li- liquid paper. And uh, and uh, and uh, um um uh, Jason Davey, Statham, Davy Jones, Jason Statham, who was a, a monk in um, Expendables Three, and he said, "I now pronounce you man and knife," and they like stabbed that guy. And that also <laughs> was when the writer dropped the mic there on that. It was like, <laughs> "That's it." I now pronounce you man and knife sounds like something that McBain would say in the Simpsons <laughs> episode. Totally like what McBain, dude. It was it's like the lamest line. Oh my god! And then he stabs the dude. Jesus Christ. But, but I'm kind I'm, I'm kind of wishing that I heard that before I got married to my current wife so that I could have included that into our vows. I, I just want to say uh, for, for those listening, um, when it comes to the history of the Alamo um, and uh, the Bowie knife and David Crockett, uh, David Crockett, a lot of people have this misconception that he's kind of like uh, like some like fairy tale, like that he's some made up story. But David Crockett was a real guy. And in the early 1800s, he was uh involved in the whole texas revolution and it is believed that he died fighting for the alamo but there's no like there's no like hard evidence like you know the 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 um records are are spotty um but as far as bowie goes um those records are awesome dude the bowie (laughs) they they are they are are spot on but you know we have oh david bowie we have davy crockett but we also have James Bowie, uh, which was one of the Alamo co-commanders. Uh, so, like, you have James Bowie, David Crockett, 
put them together. What do you got? Peanut butter and chocolate. You got David Bowie, <laughs> Davy Crockett, James Bowie. I think I, I established that in the they, first segment that we got David Bowie. Well, I think what happened is these two guys made sweet, sweet love at the Alamo before they died. Gave birth will, to David Bowie. That makes that makes a lot of sense, actually. It does. Because you're about you're in the grip of death. Yes. You want to do what? Come last one last time. And as so, we know, David Bowie was born in 1835. Famously yeah. born in 1835. <laughs> uh, and that's why he became he was the star child. He was the alien. Uh, no, he wasn't the star child. That was Peter. Um, that was uh, Paul Stanley. Well, I think he was the lone star uh, child. Uh, child. Like that's the right. He was Texas. Yeah, that's right. He was. Yes, Thank you for was. noticing. Because he pissed that beer. That's how they got Lone Star beer. It's, it's David Bowie piss. You know what, dude? You this was fun till you started making fun of Lone Star beer. Hey, hold on. I like I Lone Star. I know you do. I do. Uh, it's good beer. It is. I would also just drink David Bowie's piss uh, from a fountain. Well, you do. You drink Lone Star. Far out, man. Far out. Far fucking out. Fucking um, out, man. I do love Lone Star beer. So tell so, us more about the haunting of the Alamo. Okay, I'm done with the Alamo. I'm going okay. to go into my last Let's segment. Let's not because, talk about that. Yeah, fuck the Alamo, dude. I was just bringing, whoa, it, whoa, I was whoa, bringing whoa. it up as like a Black Dahlia, like, hey, it's one Mr. of the places that's Mr. really haunted. Texas just said, fuck the Alamo. That's right. I'll piss on it, dude. They didn't give back Pee Wee's bike. And plus, it's a boring-ass field trip. You go to the fucking Alamo, dude. I didn't see any ghost monks or fucking ladies screaming. Did you get a David uh, Davy Crockett hat or a David Bowie hat? I got a David Bowie knife. <laughs> <laughs> Replica. Uh, it's okay. only it's a do cocaine off of. Well, well. What it says, I don't know. This is the instructions say. Well, you uh, clearly hate Texas more than I do. So clearly, you have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Um. Anyway, the last thing hey. I want to talk Texas wise. Okay. Because this is what I'm saying that like makes San Antonio look like a GP when it comes to being haunted is Galveston. Now, do you know? Are you familiar with Galveston? I I vaguely yes yeah I know Galveston is a place in Texas. Okay. Um. So Galveston in in relation to where I am in Houston is like maybe forty miles away ish okay. like from us. So that's how far away we are from the Gulf of Mexico, the water. How far away I am. And yeah, Houston. Galveston, yeah, yeah. It's not it, that yeah, far. Houston, I'm sorry. So Galveston is on the water. Mm-hmm. So like when we have hurricanes and shit, like they take, you know, the brunt of all this shit. You know, we always look at what's happening in Galveston, but they've done it so many times that they know how to do it. Now, in 1900, though, we had one of our hundred year storms, which is kind of like what Hurricane Harvey was called, like one of the hundred year storms because it did so much damage. This yeah. in 1900. Now we have what's called like the seawall on uh, a Galveston across like the, you know, the, the water across the, the beach. And it's like a 17 foot high wall that they built. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that is because of the hurricane of 1900 because the storm surge came in and it just decimated Galveston. It destroyed 3,500 yeah. buildings. It killed six to 800 or 6,000 to 8,000 people like that immediately. Wow. Like, I mean, this is back in 1900. There was no infrastructure for this kind of stuff. This storm was off the charts, one of the biggest storms that had hit that area. So it was new. So many bodies, they put them on barges and took them out into the Gulf and dumped them 
Yeah. And they all washed back up to the fucking. Oh, God. So that immediately, like, okay, we fucked that up. Jesus, dude. Yeah. So because of this, like, one of the most famously haunted places in Galveston is the Hotel Galvez, which is on the seawall, which they built right uh, as they were rebuilding the city. These investors got together, they put together a million dollars and they built the Hotel Galvez, which is like like the Hotel Cecil that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, fucking it's classic architecture, huge hotel. You know, they all pulled out all the stops um, and. It is immediately haunted, pretty much like people are immediately as soon as it opens, like what the fuck is going on here? Seeing ghosts, seeing spirits all over. Um, to in fact, if you go to the Hotel Gavez today, they have photographs of the hotel. Like this is part of their thing, right? They have photographs of the hotel, like back in the day, blown up and hung around the the hotel. But there's certain ones that have like goat, like what they think are ghosts, like in them, and mm-hmm. they show them, and you can see like faces and stuff like that, yeah. and like is this woman and then they'll show like several pictures of you know of the seawall being built and there's this one woman who notoriously like shows up and her face is just like this kind of blacked out weird mess every time and she has no hands they keep pointing all this kind of stuff out now i i read a few things about this and i watched a couple of videos about it but one of the women um who was like the property manager was giving the tour and, and she was talking about some of these pictures in one of these videos she said the word supposedly so i instantly threw out all credibility uh anything that she said <laughs> after that uh i was like what <laughs> yes. anyway <clears throat> but there are guests even to this day they stay there and there's certain spots like um the spa area of the um of the hotel is notoriously haunted people see uh you know ghosts in the the bathroom the women's room like mm-hmm. there's all kinds of things there's pictures of uh this little girl that appears by the um the hot tub area, like, you know, at certain times and comes out, they're very eerie, eerie pictures. Now, yeah. I don't know, you know, people can do these pictures and fake them. I'm sure. not sure. This is all part of the lore, but it looks fucking creepy as hell when they show these pictures and these people who, uh, f- like to this day are like, I felt something sit on the bed next to me. So I, you know, I quickly I grabbed my camera, took a picture right. and they, you, you know, and they show like a, it looks like a face or some shit like that. So I don't know how much, credence there is in any of this mm. uh, you know i i tend to believe that a lot of this happens within our own heads uh that we make up and we see we see what we want to see of course sure sure but you know this you know this is one of the more bizarre places in texas close to me that is haunted and currently stays like you know consistently pumping out stories of you know i saw this you now, know, have you, have you something have uh, you been there I've been by there. <laughs> I've been in the vicinity. I know of it. It's a very uh, posh hotel. I've I've not been there. I I do Does not. That uh, count? <laughs> okay, well, I do not. I do. I have not acquired the funds to stay there necessarily. Um, so no. Uh, when I go to Galveston. I stay in places like on the beach or my car, <laughs> the bar parking lot. Uh, well, I hear my car is a very swanky place. Oh, my car is. You yeah. know it. Yep. You know it. 
But that, yeah, but so that's one of the more haunted places in Texas. And and really, like, when you go down to Galveston and you go on the water, it, it can be creepy at, at places. I've I played at this place that's, it, for, this restaurant is on a pier out, like, it goes off into the water. And you're at the very end of this pier where the showroom is. And it fucking rocks yeah. as the waves come in and... It, you know, it's it's creepy. Like, uh, you know, I don't I personally believe we don't need to be in the sea. We should stay out of the sea. The ocean is not for us. Do we have gills? No. Do we have fins? I don't. Do you? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. That's for monsters to live. They live down there. Let they them do. live. Yeah, that's where Cthulhu reigns, man. Live yeah. over here. Yeah. OK, that's where I say I live in Texas in the Alamo with David Bowie. And. The guy from T-Rex. <laughs> and uh and david crockett played by john wayne john and john wayne i don't know who he played in the movie i think he played john wayne okay yes. you know how john wayne was played famously him. at the battle of the alamo oh i thought you meant that he played you no he played himself, yeah, like john a bunch wayne. of he wore like sleeves of tattoos and stuff yeah that's what happened was it was a quantum leap situation where he it was a time weird loop thing that he fell into and he yeah yeah into, he like, into me he did and because you quantum leaped back in time and failed to save the Alamo. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. I love that show. Oh, it's good stuff. We've talked about it before. I, so, I yeah. know. We, we should do it. We should do a quarter on quantum leap. Huh? How about that? Consider that a quarter good. on a quarter. What if we on... quantum leaped back to when we started the show and did one? Ziggy, are you getting this? Ziggy? Goodness. <laughs> Come on, Al. Hit the Help side out, of that, that communicator. Like, God, <laughs> dude, it really doesn't work that well. I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> well, those are really cool stories. And I like those. I particularly like the one of um, the wailing woman on the river. The wailing woman river. Is that it? Uh, hollering. Uh, it's screaming, uh, screaming bitch quarry or whatever it, it was. It is called Woman Hollering Creek. That's pretty cool. I like And that. it's a sign like it's one of those signs that you see when you pass and you go over the bridge and you're like, oh, shit, man, we should take a picture of that. Yeah. yeah. But you're like, eh, and then I turned around and do yeah. That. then yeah. you never remember the next time. But you do remember to say once you pass it, dude, we should take a picture of that, man. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like like Florida has some of these funny ones where it's just like, you know, like you'll pass over a creek and it'll be like this creek is called. Sachamakuya Makama Kachimba no Chakapo Lima Kakahama Simi. You know, it's like this like this giant long right. Indian name that you can't say. Uh and I'm sorry if that was offensive. I'm not trying to be it's just like the like the, the name is so long, it's insane, you know. Right, right. Yeah, right. I am right. But That's we don't disagree, I mean, baby. You I know? agree to Chris agree on this. You one. know what's the weirdest uh place in, in Florida is uh David Bowie Creek. And he is rumored to haunt that creek uh, and walk around um, dressed in his uh, dapper young man outfit and do a cover of uh, Scott Walker's Night Flights over and over again. That's pretty freaky, man. (laughs) Pretty, pretty freaky. I I pulled a John Wayne there. I just lied. David Bowie from Bowie Creek. Yeah. He did do a cover of of Night Flights, though. Uh, great Scott Walker song. In fact, Scott Walker, for those of you who are Bowie fans and don't know Scott Walker, 
Bowie was heavily influenced by Scott Walker, and you should check out him because he is my favorite mu- musical artist of all time. He died last year, and it broke my heart. So, rest in power, Scott Walker. Scott Walker, my man. Rest in power, Scott Wyland, also one of your favorites of Stone Temple Pilots who died. Rest in power. I know. Never heard of pre- him. I know how much you appreciated them Never and all of their him. body of work. Never heard of him. But uh, yeah, uh, so yeah, th- th- this was good. I think this I think was it good. was fun. No, I think this was good. I appreciated that. Like you had notes, I had notes. We both like actually were like like had some stuff lined up. You know, I think you. Um, what you're trying to say is you appreciated that I had notes. I I appreciate you had something. Uh, last episode, <laughs> last episode we did we like focused on crime fiction, and you like I found my letter. You, okay, great. Um. But yeah, last episode we focused on crime fiction and crime and cinema, and you basically had one movie that you referenced, and that was it. And I was just like, "Well, here's another one. Here's another Taking one. Here's another one." one, two, three is all you need, dude. That's that's all you knew. So and uh, I, <laughs> I, yeah. but I felt very passionate about it. You did, you did, and you should. That's a good one. That's a good one. But I thought we were going to have more of a back and forth, and it was really just me being like, "Okay, so this movie rules. This book teach rules." Me things, dude. You teach teach the listener and you know what we forgot to talk about uh we didn't really talk about um uh, it's cock a lot no we definitely touched on your dick and i you know no pun intended. you you touched my dick <laughs> but we didn't really talk about hitchcock a lot did we no but that that's not i don't consider that's that crime, crime? no that's it's more like mystery thriller like i mean it, it i mean i guess you can put it in that category but it doesn't it's not what i would consider crime fiction it's more of uh, a mystery like yeah. thriller yeah that's cool so that's just my that's my take on it. it's kind of like when people are like oh predator is an awesome action movie it is but i consider it more science fiction yeah it's more of a predator movie yeah yeah same thing with aliens like aliens is an action movie but it's more of a i consider it sci-fi more of a predator movie exactly aliens it's more yeah. of a predator movie <laughs> yeah that's what you call it <laughs> okay <laughs> Or do you? What do you prefer? I call all sci-fi movies predator movies. Yes. (laughs) Quick question before we wrap up: What do you prefer, Alien or Aliens? The second one. Which do you like better? This is crucial. Um. hmm. I might break up with you, or I might love you forever, based on your answer. So. Okay. Well, I know. Like, it seems like the obvious way to go is Aliens because. It you know because of how it was, but Alien, you don't really see the monster, and there's a lot to your imagination, and it you kind totally of see the monster. What are you talking about? You don't see it a lot. You and totally it, see the monster, right? You see it, but in glimpses, in the darkness, and there's one alien. But you you do see aliens. There's times. a bunch of aliens. Yes, there's more aliens in Aliens. Yes, there are. But you totally see the alien in Alien. You see it many times. Well, I'm just saying, you do. Darkness. In darkness. Darkness. So are you saying... That you like you, first... So you're saying, I, I don't... I mean, I like them both. I mean, I, I like the first one just for the quiet horror that it is. And I think that it is more like that the creature is a little bit scarier because it is in darkness and kind of shadowed and a little bit. That's what I think. So do you like that? So it sounds like you like that one better. Are we broken up? No, I'm with you 100%, dude. The first one's way better. 
even though people love the second one more. Like most. Why were you fighting ones. me on it then? I wasn't fighting you. you I was like, just, oh, you see the creature a lot. You dude. do you though. You do up. see the creature. You, <laughs> you do no. You do see the creature. There's like that whole scene in the end where like the creature is like climbing up the fucking side of the spaceship and everything. You see the creature. You totally do. You totally do. Uh, and you even see like the, the the creature spawning when it jumps out of uh, fucking John Hurt. Like you definitely see it. Uh, but you're right. It is much scarier because it is more um uh in the shadows but you do see it uh whereas aliens you it's more in front it's more lit up and there's a ton of them uh aliens is an action movie definitely alien is a horror movie uh the original is it to me is much much more frightening and disturbing whereas the second one is just like yeah motherfucker and it's just them like blowing up and shooting a bunch of aliens not that there's anything wrong with that i like that but the first one way better the first one is like making love with implied nudity and the second one is like full penetration hardcore porn. all meat shots just like and if you don't know what a meat shot is that is where the penis is going into uh, the vagina and they show that that is called a meat shot um so it's all yeah, meat shots you dirty, dirty boy. I just am passing on knowledge that I've acquired. Yes. So anyway, speaking of knowledge, <laughs> what do you... Well, do you, you know... Much are, do you have any other alien, questions for me? Much like Alien and Aliens, you know, like, I, I feel the same way about my porn. Like you just mentioned, like, Alien, it's more subtle and, and like, in the dark and slower and, like, uh, more erratic. Whereas Aliens is just, like, jackhammer fucking you know and that that doesn't do it for me that doesn't do it for me. i like you know i like there to be a little romance in my porn i like there to be a little bit of story i want to know what's going on well we can agree to chris agree on that and <laughs> we'll have so. a definitely we're going to spend a whole quarter of shows on why this <laughs> is sucks and why chris <laughs> loves it <laughs> so why you think it sucks hey ladies i just want you to all hear Chris here, all about the romance. Lady. I wine and dine. And I 69. I, 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 you know, I, I wine and dine at 69. Yep. That's yeah, all you I need, love, I love the kissing. I love the making out in the movie theater. You know? All right, dude, this uh, is not your Tinder news. profile. Calm the fuck hey, down. You know, I don't, I, I, of course it's not my Tinder, because I don't pay for Tinder. Like, I, I'm, I'm a cheap person, and I, I want to get my free ad out right here. So... So if you'd like to subscribe to Chris's Tinder, go to chrisandjohnwayne.com, K-R-I-S. You can, you can reach out to me on our hotline. <laughs> the Corey hotline is a very real thing and it is live right now. You can yes. call us at 832-930-1347. Leave us a message. Maybe we'll play it. No heavy breathing. No. Unless Whatever. you're a woman. Unless you're a woman. And, and, like, and if you're available and you're attractive. Let me know. Leave me wow. a message. <laughs> and then put that on. That is going to be on Chris's Tinder, which is linked. It's not really a Tinder. It's a kinder. You froze it again. I'm on fucking this, huh? frozen. But I can still hear you. So let's just, we can just wrap up with the, with the voice. Okay. All right. So, uh, yeah, man. So we'll try this again. Maybe we'll see what the Corey hotline has to say. All right. And, uh, yeah, check and us out. Right. Check me out at John Wayne is dead.com, uh, at John Wayne is dead. Uh, all of my conventions have been canceled, so check out my uh, my Patreon. I'm giving away a free audiobook of me reading Death Packs and Left Hand Paths. I do all the voices and shit. It's kind of fun. Check it out. Chris? Uh, 
check me out. My name is Christopher Triana. Check me out. You know us, guys. We're yeah. here. We love you. Uh, thank you, and uh, good night. <laughs>